What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. My name is Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me, as always, technical mess of the show himself. Pablo is here uh, doing all the crooning possible before we uh, hit record today. I don't know what's going on with you, man. Why are you in a singing mood? Are you, you happy? Are you in good spirits? What's, what's going on, man? I don't know. I just feel like a singing son of a bitch today. <laughs> that's, that's not how most people describe themselves, but hey, man, it's your life. Um, I thought you were going to go on a little run, give people a little sample of what you got, you know, cause you, you get, you got, you got a little bit of vocal range. I have to, I have to give you a little bit of credit for that. You, you, you play around, but you got something. Uh, I like to reserve that singing for, uh, for you, Marco. Just that's, for you. that's nasty. Um, all right. So already starting off on the wrong foot this week, of course, as usual, but, uh, listen, man, we are, uh, still in the midst of our end of year, uh, content for the show and as part of that we have obviously been uh handing out letter grades for the big three and this week is uh playstation's turn we already tackled xbox and nintendo so now uh good old sony's up to bat here um and i thought you know before we get to the main event of the show and talk about all that how about a little icebreaker to kind of get us rolling here uh and i'm curious to know pablo when you think back about your history with playstation what would you say is your fondest playstation memory well, that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, cause you know, I, I came a little late into the game with PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did own a PlayStation two, and I and I had a one, but that was all like after after the two had to come out. But I think my fondest memory is probably it's it's kind of in two two things. One, I think the first time, and this is kind of like not my experience, but the first time I saw you play Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like holy shit moment for me. Were you more uh, impressed with me, or were you more impressed with the game? Oh, definitely with the game. That's not, yeah, definitely that's not with the game. Mm. The only time I've ever I, I, I was ever impressed with you is every time you uh, you turned on Pump Up the Jam, uh, and we don't uh, don't do that. To and the we pe- frolicked, <laughs> and we frolicked in your room. Nobody for a frolicked, frolicked at Jesus. all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the misrepresentation of me right now on this show is getting real. It's getting real bad. All right, I'm not gonna stand I for mean, it. I mean, I don't think anything I said was an actual lie. Maybe uh, just just said a little bit more uh, differently than, than than most people would say. Right. Uh, but my actual like memory uh, uh, in terms of like where I found I found myself kind of in awe with, with the PlayStation is still Metal Gear uh, related. That's Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, that opening sequence uh, with Snake running through the bridge and then jumping down into that in, into that carrier, that was kind of like the moment where it's like, oh my god, this is this is like next level stuff. Like this is re- really where, where you find like, uh, where, where I thought about like video games in a whole different way. Uh, and so it, it, that that was like that's the memory that always sticks with me. Like when I think PlayStation, I literally think back to that that cutscene, that opening cutscene, as like my PlayStation memory. Like that's the thing that I definitely always go to. Yeah, that's a, how, that's a pretty good one. How about for you? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I have so many uh, because PlayStation's been such a big part of my upbringing as a gamer. Um, I mean, everything from like browsing 
electronics boutique when that was a thing back in the day uh, and just remembering seeing the wall of PlayStation cases up there to uh, my first time with a PlayStation when I was at Sound Advice, an old uh, audio-visual TV, you know, surround sound system kind of store back in the day. Uh, they had a kiosk for the PS1 and I played Wipeout for the first time on that mm. kiosk and I was just absolutely blown away. Um, I think for me, as much as I hate to go Metal Gear like you did, it... To me, it ends up being uh, Christmas of 1998 when uh, I got Metal Gear Solid as my Christmas present. And uh, that to me, I mean, I remember that was the shortest time I was ever in front of a Christmas tree ever. I wanted to rush the rest of my gifts like I don't care about any of this. <laughs> Listen, the snake needs me out here. You know, Meryl, Meryl's <laughs> out here jiggling. Psycho Mantis is reading minds. I got to figure out what's going on here. Uh, so I, I had to, I had to, um, I had to give it to that one. But um, I just, I still love thinking back on those days because PlayStation was such a enigmatic presence in the gaming space. You know, like Sega was Sega. Everybody knew about Sega. And Nintendo was Nintendo. But who was this Sony PlayStation thing? back then it was so weird and uh it's amazing to see all these years later uh who who's you know who playstation has become uh since then and uh in some good and bad ways obviously we'll talk about that when we get to the year in review for them but uh yeah i thought that'd be a fun little uh palette cleanse uh, to get us going for the show here but um speaking of the show we got some stuff to talk about of course as per usual this week so let's not waste any time jumping into our first segment which is about the games we've been playing that's called loadouts all systems nominal loadouts ready all right pablo so i'll go ahead and i'll jump in first because uh, i know last week you uh, had talked about your experience with call of duty modern warfare 3 um, and yep. kind of gave us your impressions of that. Uh, I actually had the chance to get my hands on it and uh, put a good amount of time into it uh, for the past several days. Uh, I rolled credits on the campaign, played a good chunk of the multiplayer. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, if, you, if you've been living under a rock, uh, Modern Warfare 3 has been a very controversial sequel uh, to Modern Warfare's 1 and 2. Uh, reportedly developed in 16 months. Um, you know, so there was a lot of bad press about that, bad reviews. Um, I guess for me leading up to it, though, I, I, I wasn't fully buying into the notion that this game was an abomination. So I kind of came into it with an open mind, and I expected to have, at best, a familiar Call of Duty experience. And I think after playing it and finishing the campaign, playing the multiplayer, I think that's exactly what I got. Uh, it's a derivative yet decent game that I think shares most of the same highs and lows of any Call of Duty game. Um, and I think that starts with the story. Um, the story is is your standard fare. Um, although I will say I actually didn't mind it too much. Um, I really like Makarov as, as a villain. Uh, I think he's, I do too, he's yeah. done really, really well in this game, in my opinion. And I think that the protagonists... Um, you know, the, the usual crew, Captain Price and Soap and uh, Ghost and everybody else. I think they come together actually pretty well. Maybe even the best they've come together uh, in, in the first in these three games so far, honestly. Um, I will say the story does end quite abruptly. Uh, it does feel like there was like a final mission that we should have got that that isn't there. Uh, it does end on a fairly sad and somber note, though. So it does leave some sort of, you know, final impact for you um, as it rolls credits. But uh, it is it is what people said in terms of it being a short campaign and, and that there is that last mission that kind of feels like it's not there. And it should be there. Um, transitioning into gameplay. Um, 
I'll be honest, I, I kind of stand against a lot of the opinions about the open-ended mission format that they have in this game. Um, I kind of liked them. Um, I didn't really see what a lot of the fuss was about. Um, the way that my brain kind of calculated it is that it's Call of Duty's interpretation of Sniper Elite. You know, it's like, it's it's very non-linear. There's a lot of different approaches that you can have. Um, it does bring in some of the Warzone type of, of um, mechanics and, and features and, and, you know, overall flow. But I didn't find it to be cheaply done or anything like that the way that I heard it was. I actually really enjoyed having the option of playing at my own pace and trying my own approaches to completing missions. Um, and I do like the flexibility that that gives you. Um, and they still do linear missions as well. They pepper those in between. Um, yeah, they pepper them in between. And I think they're quite fun as well. Uh, the, the the missions in particular, where like the terrorist activity is happening, without getting into spoilers, I think those were really engaging, and those kind of kept me glued to the screen to see what was going to happen. Um, so I, I really didn't have as many issues with the campaign as most people did. I didn't find it to be cheaply thrown together. I just found it to be a change of style. Uh, that still felt like Call of Duty to me, just a bit, little bit more flexible and open ended for yeah. me. So I like. Yeah, it. I would. I would. I would never say it was cheaply put together, but I, I did feel like structurally it feels hastily put together, uh, and I would say that it never kind of totally feels like that Call of Duty recent years. And I guess that goes either way, whether you like that or don't. I, I every time I'm playing the, the more structured missions, I feel okay. This is the kind of Call of Duty experience that I'm used to, and maybe that's a me thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you know they're trying to, 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 to branch out and do a little better. I will say though, Marco, I I, I agree with you in kind of just everything. I think that. I think that the story does offer some pretty interesting like story beats in terms of the whole modern warfare trilogy that they're doing and beyond that I think that they do some interesting things there. I think honestly what what is happening here is what always happens with these games. It's just if it wasn't for the call for the IGN four out of ten and then the pylon reviews, I don't think any of us would have blinked an eye. I think we would have had kind of issues with the length of the of the game. But other than that, I don't think people would be like, "Oh, this is the worst Call of Duty of all time," just because a group of people set decided that this year would be the year that they didn't give it a seven or an eight. So yeah, yeah I, I I think it's kind of ridiculous that how how weirdly they've treated this Call of Duty when it's not doing anything inoffensive. In fact, it's 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 just kind of doing more of the same. Uh, and I guess you could be critical of that, but the way that the, the critics have been talking about it make it feel like this game is, is an absolute mess and an abomination of a Call of Duty experience, when in reality, it is what I expected from Call of Duty when it was all said and done. Yeah, I agree with that. I think people have been weaponizing their review scores to kind of like rally against Call of Duty being the same or virtually the same every year. And if they're disgruntled about that kind of thing, that's one thing. But to kind of use like, well, I'm going to give them a really low score to send a message to Activision Mm. that this can't stand. I I think that's a little uh, ridiculous, in my opinion. And I do feel like that's what what a lot of people did, because this is not I mean, I looked at the open critic. I think that's like a 58 now. This is not this is not that bad at all. Um, And I think the same goes for the multiplayer. I think it is an improvement in my opinion, over Modern Warfare 2. Um, uh, I think it, you know, Time to Kill is much better. I think that the classic maps bring a lot of uh, throwback appeal to the game, and uh, they, they just they, they work really well with the new gameplay style of the Modern Warfare um, trilogy. I, I think they fit really well and nicely. 
Um, there's still quirks with like spawn issues and skill based matchmaking. I think you know that those are those two things are still problematic. But again, I think the reoccurring theme to me is that this is standard Call of Duty fare. You know, um, if people are getting exhausted with seeing the same issues carry over year over year, I get that. But um, I don't think that inherently makes this game a worse product than any of the others that we've had. Um, I will say presentation wise, I think that's probably the one area that I think is getting a little old and outdated, uh, particularly visuals. Um, it, it, don't get me wrong. It looks good. It's just that I would say more so on the multiplayer side, the game can look really, really blurry. Um, even if you use like the sharpening option that they have in the menus, it still looks really blurry to the point where it can be a little difficult to, to see enemies sometimes, depending on the map. Um, usually if it's like a, like a more sandier map, you're going to be able to see like enough contrast in enemies to the background to know, okay, there, there's one. But, um, a lot of times it's kind of hard cause they kind of run together. So I do think they've got to uh, figure out how to refine their engine a little bit more, uh, and bring it up to par with, um, you know, modern looks of, of first person shooters right now but i think in terms of sound design it's it's absolutely incredible um this is one of the best sounding games i've played all year um the the spatial 3d audio is is outstanding um all the way through uh the campaign it really really shines um and it is very it's that good kind of 3d audio where it's informative and it tells you oh that person's like okay Behind me to my right is, is an enemy that I hear running up to me. It, it, it yeah. is good that way, um, especially with the open maps that they do for some of those missions. That can really come in handy um, because it kept me from being surrounded. So it's very, very good. Um, and I, I would say just overall, um, I think, again, the issues with Modern Warfare 3 to me have been blown out of proportion. Um, it does have shortcomings. It does have things that could be better. Um, but the same could be said about any Call of Duty game. I think at this point, any game. It, it, or any game at all, you're right. Um, I think at this point, the game is, to me, I think it's, it's adequate. It's, it has enjoyable moments. Um, it has its ups and downs for sure. But um, I, I, I guess where it lands with me is where most Call of Duties land. They're just, you know, they're, they're kind of okay games. And I think I had a relatively okay experience with this one too, so... Take that for what you will, um, but the dogpiling, I don't think you know, me and Pablo are really going to do that here. Uh, it's not, it is not mm-hmm. 58 bad at all. Absolutely. Not even close. And like, I, I know a lot of people were talking about, specifically the IGN review, usually those threes and fours are reserved for games that have like game-breaking bugs. I remember that, um, yeah. I remember, I forgot what game it was, it got a four out of ten because uh, one of the reviewers couldn't finish the game and then they re-reviewed it later once they were able to fix, the bug was fixed. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy that it got a four out of ten. It really is it, no it bugs. It feels though. like a statement more than, than an actual exactly. critical observation of the game. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, if you've been on the fence about it, if you're Concerned, like, oh my god, is it going to be that bad? It's really not, especially if you're not even that big of a campaign person and you're really more of a multiplayer type. I, I don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't go get it. Uh, I, I actually had a decent amount of fun with the multiplayer. Uh, some of the new modes were, were, were pretty interesting, like the, the new war mode or whatever it's called uh, felt pretty cool. Um, I think they've got some tuning to do to make that a little bit like more dynamic of a match type, but um, you know things like that bring, bring a new flavor to the game. And like I said, those throwback maps are actually really fun to revisit. Uh, and I was surprised at how good of a time I was having coming back to a lot of those, especially like Terminal and stuff like that. Uh, those are just yeah. like infamously good Call of Duty maps that I think uh, play very well this time around. So yeah, I I recommend it for sure. Um, Moving on, 
Um, I have also been dabbling with Persona 5 Tactica. Uh, this is the latest spinoff, I guess, of the critically acclaimed JRPG Persona 5. Um, and as someone that loves Persona 5 to death but doesn't play too many tactical RPGs, I, you know, as, as interested as I was in this, I did have my doubts that I would connect with this game. Um, unfortunately, my concerns were kind of justified. Um, it's not that this is a bad game. It's just that to me, I think it oversteers a little too far away from its core, both in terms of gameplay and also into like anime territory to an obnoxious degree. Um, so the premise of the game is kind of, it feels really cheap and ham fisted with a very silly anime villain. Um, that just, it's like, it's just not the thing that made persona five. So unique was that they tried to ground a lot of the villains in the game with, you know, their, their, their real life persona. And then this like exaggerated persona and they start the game off with like the latter really. It's just this pink colored lady that's being, you know, carried over to them by these like slaves that she has working for them. And it's, I'm going to take over the world. And you know, it's that kind of mustache. I mean, she didn't have a mustache, but mustache twirling kind of villain. <laughs> she must have waxed. But um, <laughs> but it's one of those things, you know, and it's like, oh, that's not very persona like because even strikers the the you know the other spinoff from a couple years ago that felt very much the same as the original game this is very much a departure um and i think that that also affects the 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 cast of characters too like joker and his crew they they don't really shine very well at all in this game they all come off remarkably bland in my opinion like they're just kind of like they sound the same but they're just there's nothing interesting about what they're talking about if that makes sense it's just like whoa what's going on i don't know let's find out okay it's and that's as far as it ever really goes um there's <laughs> no real like i haven't noticed like any seed sown of like character development and like seeing how these people are growing as as friends and stuff like that it's just like another day in the life of the phantom thieves right so it, it feels very saturday morning cartoon in that way um on the gameplay side, the tactical gameplay is, it's decent. It's its not bad or anything. And it does do a n nice job of kind of adding in these little persona twists to the gameplay that make it feel like, oh, they pulled, uh, that's how they're using the personas in the gameplay. Oh, that's how they're using elemental attacks in the gameplay. So they, they do a good job of tying that stuff in really nicely, but I just think it isn't very fun. It, 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 as simple as it, says, it sounds to say that, it's just not very fun or gratifying. It just seems like it's very... Uh, surface level it doesn't seem incredibly difficult and the battles that you do have don't feel particularly exciting either so it's just kind of very like middling in that way um and then presentation wise I, the, the chibi models compared to the first two games look really bad there's anime like sprite designs that happen in dialogue sequences that look absolutely awful um, the game looks visually dated. It lacks flair that we've seen from other Persona 5 games. Um, and, you know, I guess the only thing going forward is the music, which is pretty cool. 
So yeah. even as a huge Persona 5 fan, I would say in closing, the spinoff feels really non-essential in almost every way, shape, and form. It's it's really just not built in a way that feels worthwhile and doesn't feel like it really needed to exist. And that I think that's kind of what you don't want to feel when you're playing a spinoff game. Like, this doesn't need to yeah. exist. And I think from top to bottom, from the way the game is designed to the way the story is set up in the beginning, it just feels like, why, why are we here again? You know, like, move, let's, let's just maybe move on now. I guess that's kind of my takeaway. So pretty unfortunate. They do, they do this so much with those Persona games where, with the spinoffs. It's like yeah. they do they do so many different kind of variations on genres. Uh, but I think I, I think this one feels like not that it's overstated as welcome, but that they definitely milk this uh, Persona Five for everything it's worth. I mean, absolutely everything. And I've you know I've never beat Persona Five, but I've 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 still have like 60, 70 hours, even more I think, in the game like playing it, trying to play through it twice. And I understand it, and I and I think it's one of the best JRPGs. I, I get all that, but man, it's just so curious how they're really just. It's like they run out of ideas. It it almost feels like like they're just like they people really like this. It's really really like shove this down their throats. I have no interest in this at all. Uh, a game has to do a lot for me in terms of uh, tactical RPGs like Into the Breach. You know, it has to be that special kind of uh, of uh, of tactical RPG for me to even consider it. And and from everything I saw, uh, and and now kind of confirming that with you it doesn't do anything specifically special in that arena for me to even consider it yeah uh, I, yeah it's 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 definitely not for you and it, it's honestly it's not for most persona 5 fans <laughs> it really isn't yeah. so i mean if you have game pass why not download it and try it out that's how i got my hands on it but uh if if you have those concerns or if anything that i said sounds a little uh disappointing to you then honestly i would prioritize other games especially if you have a big backlog right now of, of games from this year that you're trying to finish don't worry about this one it's not it, it ain't that great um last but not least um been playing a little bit of an older game but uh you know just in keeping with the conversations we've had recently about alan wake 2 i actually went back and played control ultimate edition uh it was on sale for this like black friday deal going on with xbox uh for like 10 bucks and i'm like that's that's a oh, no-brainer so I picked it up, and uh, I've been I've been working through it. Um, I plan on getting through the, the core game and the, both the DLCs. Um, and I've been I, I my strategy mentally is I'm just gonna play through this, and hopefully by the time I'm done, they'll have addressed the audio issues on Alan Wake Two. Lord. Which still haven't been dealt with yet. They're patching a lot of other things, but they're still looking into the the issue with the audio. By the way, um, I've sent in a ticket with like seven examples of like this is how bad it's getting. Uh, so and to be and to be clear, it's not that Marco is a Karen. It's that these fuckers will be like they. Re- Sorry, I, I don't mean to call them fuckers. It's just because I admire and love Remedy, but just in, in the frustration, um, it's just they actually were like we don't know what you're talking about. Prove it. That's kind of the tone that I got from some of their tweet interactions. Mm. Uh, but man, it is. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no you're good. <laughs> like... You're good. It's 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 annoying, but uh, you know, hey, I did my I did my part, and uh, I know a lot of people uh, besides me did too. So hopefully, we'll see some fixes soon there. But nevertheless, um, I don't necessarily have so much to say about the game itself. I mean, Control is just as great as it always was for me. Uh, it still holds up remarkably well. I actually wanted to bring up Control Ultimate Edition uh, because we also got some news. We're not going to talk about this in our news segment, but uh, we did find out that some people from Remedy have moved on to production for Control 2. So, um, interestingly, because uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, you and me had a conversation about this, and we were talking about Max Payne 1 and 2 Remake 
versus control to which do we want first? Uh, we had some you know unique conversations there. So I'm curious to know, Pablo, now that we know that I guess both of these games are heading in production, um, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about maybe them juggling two uh, games in development right now? Well, I mean, I know that when Max Payne 1 and 2 Remake were announced that they did say they were going to work with uh, with Rockstar. So yeah. I always wondered what that meant. And I guess it means is that Rockstar is probably helping with development of the game. Now with Grand Theft Auto 6, you know, for surely coming out next year, um, it looks like they might have some time to actually get in there with, with, the, uh, with Max Payne 1 and 2 possibly leaving a, a good chunk of people at Remedy to, to, to work on Control 2. I, I, I don't I don't have much to say in terms of, like, my concern of them juggling two games right now, just because I, I don't know the details exactly as who's working on what. But, I, listen, if I can get both of those, if I can get Control 2 and Max Payne 1 and 2 Remake uh, sooner rather than later, absolutely. Like, give me that, you know, especially after Alan Wake 2 and some of the stuff and, and, and some mysteries and things that were brought up in that game that I know that Control will definitely, Control 2 will definitely address. I think that that's a, I think that's a no-brainer. I think that's the way they should be doing it. I think Remedy should really not take any breaks here between the, the, the Alan Wake Control uh, universe because uh, for all, you know, for all my for any how I feel about Alan Wake 2, ultimately, I think that that world is very interesting. The lore that they've created is absolutely incredible, and I just want to see more of it. So, absolutely, man. I hope that they, I hope that this isn't just like more people into pre production, but like they actually go into full development now. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I guess I'm more concerned than you then, uh, because I, I, when I look at the way that the, the state that Alan Wake 2 came out in, um, you yep. want to make two games at the same time. I mean, I hope you. Do a little bit more with your quality control if that's what you're <laughs> going to do. I mean, I guess, you know, and I hate to be that that pessimistic about it, but it's like, you know, look, I kind of got a raw deal here with Alan Wake 2, you know, for when it comes to my standards, um, they didn't really meet them. So if you want to make Max Payne 1 and 2 and you want to make Control 2 at the same time, then awesome, but they better come out in good shape and not not run into these problems all over again because then that's just going to get a little uh, annoying for me and that I'm going to start questioning kind of, you know, the, the way that you guys are directing things and I'm going to question your engine, the Northlight engine, is it starting to get a little mm. creaky with that? I mean, like what what what's going to happen if those come out and there's another slew of bugs. I mean, there's going to be bugs. There's going to be issues. Every game pretty much has those now. And we know that Remedy's a very ambitious team uh, that likes to push the envelope. But I think that they've got to really make sure that they don't do this again because they, they got a lot of grace with Alan Wake 2. Let's face it. They got a lot of praise oh and gosh. acclaim. And I know they're basking in that. But, I mean, at the same time, let's not... Don't don't push your don't push your luck, <laughs> is all I'm saying. So, uh, but I'm I'm so glad for it though. I hope it's uh, just as good as the first one is, if not better. Uh, but Pablo, uh, I have talked enough in this segment. Let me go ahead and kick this over to you and tell us what you've been playing, man. Yeah, Mark, I've had like a a kind of really busy week, so I really haven't been able to get into like a lot of the gaming that I want to do. Uh, but I did. I I am playing a new game and just kind of. A, a, bit, a bit of a palate cleanser after playing all these like intensive narrative driven games. I'm playing a game called Teardown. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Teardown is like a sandbox environmental puzzle game of sorts. Its biggest gimmick is that everything in the game can be destroyed. I think Minecraft 
uh, instead of building shit, you kind of are destroying it. Uh, there's a lot of fun to be had with teardown in that in that structure. I think uh, for me, uh, I, I do enjoy the simpleness of the campaign where it's like, hey, you're, you're this contract worker, um, you're a little shady, and you do shady jobs for people who want things done that aren't supposed to be done. For example, they're building this this condominium destroy the homes in front of the condominium at night you know so you go in there and you you do destroy those homes in any way any way you want you can get into cars that are nearby drive into the house there's a lot of things that you can do in this game and that is just kind of really really fun uh finding unique and, and, and efficient ways to complete those goals uh is the bread and butter of this game and i and i think that it, it does shine when it when those missions are are simple as that uh but the fun is limited uh i, I like i like the few hours i put into tear down ultimately the gimmick starts to kind of uh, where thin graphically it does look it looks like the next gen of Minecraft but it still has that pixel voxelated kind of look to it so it isn't it isn't great looking either so I mean the 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 you're not that like it's not that impressive to be able to destroy everything since everything looks like kind of blocks anyway so it's not like uh it's not like they took uh, the stuff you can do in um in battlefield and make that graphically impressive and intensive game in that it's more you know it's more of artistically made to look a little bit like minecraft but other than that I, you know it's it's a game that's out people have been talking about it. it's reviewing pretty well it is on playstation uh what is it one of their playstation things like uh, ps plus uh I don't know which oh, one. I PlayStation where Plus it is. Extra. Yeah, it's extra. You can play it there. Uh, but it, it, it's fun. But I, I would have to say, ultimately, at the end of the day, when you look at uh, other games that are out there, this is definitely a game that I would, I would probably uh, skip if you're not really into those kind of sandbox environmental puzzle kind of games. So, uh, but I, I just wanted to bring it up because it's a new game, and I have been playing that. Probably the mo- game I've been playing the most. Um, as for um, as for uh, like a dragon guy in the 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 man who erased his name, uh, <laughs> I haven't really put too much time into it. I've progressed a little bit through it. You know, I, I, like I said, you know, my son is in a, a particular. Uh, uh, interesting stage where uh, I have to be watching him twenty four seven to to so to play this game at a uh, where I have to read since it is that it, it's all um, it's all sub and there's no dub to it so it, it's not a game that I've been playing too much but I will say uh, I, I progressed through it I've kind of reached a point in the game where I'm feeling a little bit of like uh, like they're putting things in your way to make the game longer. I know that's a complaint you had about it, a little bit of bloat. Yep. Uh, so I'm kind of grinding through some stuff, not really enjoying my time through it, though every kind of story moment that does appear is that 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 like a drag that like you like a dragon, the Yakuza magic story that, that's happened. And Kiryu's still awesome. And some of the characters that they introduce in the game are are interesting enough. That they, they are on par with what you would find in a Yakuza game. So I I am enjoying that part. It's just that unfortunately um I, I would almost rather the game have been shorter if, if if they were to take out a lot of that bloat out of the middle. Uh, but I am going to finish it. I am interested to see about that ending that Markle's been talking about. And honestly, a lot of people have mentioned, so I can't wait to get to that. But honestly, man, uh, I had really quick loadouts. Just kind of want to talk about some things I'm playing. Uh, but it hasn't really been a, a gaming-intensive week for me. Uh, hopefully that changes this week with some, uh, with some holiday week. Uh, I can get uh, some more gaming in. Nice, man. That's all right. I mean, look, I think with the padding, um, you'll, you'll kind of get over the hump with that 
pretty soon, um, and it'll it'll get out of your way, uh, you know, before you know it. Uh, it's not it's not going to be like annoying, annoying. Um, the stuff that they try to do to kind of you know gatekeep you from moving forward, uh, they they don't they don't return to that well too many other times. So okay, you'll be okay. Um, so yeah, no worries there. And I, I I will say I do think the story, especially for you as a big fan, I think is an essential one to finish. I would I would definitely oh yeah yeah oh I'm definitely gonna it. finish it yeah um, yeah yeah but yeah. Nice, man. Well, that's going to do it for Loadouts this week. Uh, It's time for us to transition into the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, Pablo. So this week, we have to talk about it. The Keeley Awards, I'm sorry, the Game Awards uh, (laughs) nominees have been revealed. So, uh, you know, I think what we're going to do is... We're going to discuss them. We're going to go through each category and talk about what we think of the nominees that they chose, uh, if we think anybody got snubbed or uh, what what have you, yeah. and then we'll predict who we think uh, will win the category. Now, caveat is we're not going to tell you who we want to win. We're going to kind of keep some of those picks in the tuck for our Game of the Year deliberation so we don't tip our hand too much here, but uh, more so who we think will get the, the vote. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of the angle we're coming from here. And another caveat is we're not going to talk about every single category. We are going to skip a few as we go along here. Uh, so just follow along with us and uh, let's kind of see where we land here, Pablo. So why don't you go ahead and, and uh, drive on this one? Yeah, let's start with the big one, which is Game of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the nominees that uh, that were presented were Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and of course, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, this game, this year has been huge for, for video games and, and, and just in terms of how people have been talking about games. And so these, I don't find any, any of these to be surprising. I think all these are deserving one way or the other. Um, Marco, let's start here with you in that, do you think anybody here got snubbed or not you know or or a game that you would rather have seen on here than uh, any other of these games um man so i think everyone is probably thinking starfield 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 where we where we think that is uh and i know a lot of people have taken issue with resident evil 4 so i i kind of want to chat with this one uh with you on a couple different levels here let's let's address the starfield part of it did starfield get snubbed um, in my opinion, as someone who really, really enjoyed Starfield a lot, my answer is no. I don't think he got snubbed here. Um, and here's here's why. Um, I love Starfield. I know a lot of people that also love Starfield, but Starfield is a very divisive game. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, there's a lot of people that love it, and there's a lot of people that loathe it. And I think that when we're talking about Game of the Year nominations, um, it makes more sense to nominate games that are, by and large, more universally praised than games like Starfield, which has its share of naysayers. Uh, now, I'm not counting like the fanboy wars of you know PlayStation zealots that like Starfield, Star Mid, Star Flop, Star. You know, like I'm not talking about those people. But there are people that were like genuinely hyped about the game and kind of left going, mm, I don't know, I didn't love it. So I think that it, in it, from that angle, I don't mind it not being here, even though I would have liked to have seen it. Um, it it's yeah. uh, to me, I just think to call it snubbed. I think that would that would mean dismissing a lot of people's valid criticisms towards the game, which I think I I give some merit to. 
um, because Starfield's not perfect. I think these games, generally speaking, while I might not favor some of them more than Starfield, I can respect the fact that they were the picks, if that makes sense. But where do you stand on the Starfield aspect of this? Yeah, you know, the word snub, It really what it means is the game that absolutely deserved to be on here and doesn't. Like, if Baldur's Gate 3 or Alan Wake 2 didn't make the list... That's a crime, yeah. That would probably be more of, like, a, a, a snub. I, I honestly think... I'm with you. I think I would have loved to seen uh, Starfield on here just because, as personal preference, I think it is one of the top six games of the year. Just that, but that's a me thing. Um, you know, I, if I had to pick a game and replace, it would be controversial because I'd probably say Marvel Spider-Man 2. Not that I think that game is bad, but for me, it would be like a set that would be like the seventh game on the list. But other than that, calling it a snub that Starfield's not being on here, no, I don't think it, it, it got snubbed. Uh, I, I think that these these games are the right choice in terms of how these award shows work and and the public perception perception of these games. I think these are the six. You know, I think these are the games that should probably be on here. Uh, but I know you raised yeah. a question about or or raised. Uh, the the concerns that people have had about Resident Evil 4 it being a remake and being on here. Why don't you talk to us about that a little bit and, and give us your opinion on that? Yeah, so I, I think that a lot of people have been upset about this nomination because of the fact that it's a remake. Um, I think it's important to say, to establish a few things, right? Number one, Game of the Year is Game of the Year, not be, not Best New Game of the Year, not Best Original right. Game of the Year. It's Game of the Year, right? So I think that's an important distinction to call out. Number two, I don't know when in the minds of gamers that making a great remake is easier than making an original game. I think that it's just as difficult, just in different ways. If someone were to hand you a paintbrush and a bunch of paint and say, I want you to faithfully recreate the Mona Lisa and make it better. You're going to you're going to be shitting yourself, right? That's hard. Right. Um, so oh, yeah. when, when you think about it from a standpoint of that, right, like, OK, do they have the do they have the basic blueprint of what Resident Evil 4 was from the original version? Yes, they did. But when you talk about the degree of difficulty to take a game that many people consider to be one of the greatest ever made in, in, in human history and modernize it, make it look better, make it play better, make it feel better, give it a better story give it a better ending, give it better cinematics, to take an all-time classic and make it an even better all-time classic. That doesn't sound like an easy job to me. That sounds like a lot of pressure to live up to a standard um, that Shinji Mikami set way back when. So this notion that this game doesn't belong here because it's not original and it's quote-unquote easier to make I think is completely unfounded and it dismisses a lot of things that make remakes very, very risky from a developer. Um, Before I pass it to you, I'll say this. I think Resident Evil 4 makes a very sound argument as being the best remake we've ever seen in a video game. Um, I mean, I think some of its stiffest competition is honestly itself Resident Evil 2. (laughs) Or like Resident Evil, the Resident Evil 1 remake got back in the GameCube days. Like, I think Capcom has a supreme grasp of how to do remakes right. And I think that needs to be celebrated uh, in the highest possible way. I don't think this is going to win, but I think the fact that it got a nod and it shows that, hey, when you do a great remake, we're going to recognize you. I think that is is a good thing. So I'm all for it. And I don't agree with the camp that says this should have been uh, crossed out so that Starfield or some other game should have been penciled in. Uh, I'm just not of that camp. What do you think, though? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, to your point. I mean, this is was, this was a hard undertaking to take a beloved game, remake it, and not only remake it, but also have the fans and new people alike join in it and and, and sing its praises unanimously. So that's very hard to do, and they've did it. And I, I mean, I was the person that that uh, played a little bit of Resident Evil Four. It really was it? It didn't really hit me the way it hit other people. And then I played this year. I, I finally got to play this. For version of Resident Evil 4 and I'm enamored with, with the franchise it, 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 it's like what 2 and 3 did remake and now what 4 is doing is making me a Resident Evil fan which is ridiculous because that, that just wasn't these these games were not in my purview it's not these are not games that I even talked about when I talked about some of the best games of all time and now I'm forced, yep. forcing myself to think about Resident Evil 2 Resident Evil 3 Resident Evil 4 as potentially top 10 top 20 games of all time because of these remakes so like of course this should be this, this absolutely should be on this list like it's ridiculous to think that out of all the games that came out this year that resident evil 4 shouldn't be on here that's insane you know that's that would be a snub if resident evil 4 did not make this list straight up yeah yeah it was one of my predictions for for a nominee and i you know i thankfully i was right because i was i was really hoping it would get that love uh but pablo um what do you i mean i guess let's let's kind of predict who we think is going to win uh, this this category this is this is a tough one man because we're, you know we're I, thinking about it from the fans point of view and the voting this is hard I, you know honestly I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be tough really? I think that the yeah I think that because of the conversations we've seen because of the the way that that video game media has covered this specific game and how fans have kind of come together and sing this game's praises. I think that this is really Baldur's Gate 3 uh, as category. I think they're going to win, and I don't think it's going to be close. I, You know, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom is right there. I think this is a two-game, this is a two-horse race. It's, it's Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate. I wouldn't be shocked if Tears of the Kingdom wins. Uh, but personally, in terms of how the conversations have been going around and how you know how the fans have been talking about this game. I really do think that Baldur's Gate three is going to uh, is going to win. I, I really do think that. I think and, and I think it's it, we, we won't ever know the numbers, but I think if we ever did, I think it'll be by a huge margin, in my opinion. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I think this is going to be a little tougher than a runaway win for Baldur's Gate. Now, I will say, I think. If I had to predict who is going to win, I'm, I am also going to go with Baldur's Gate. But I think that the matchups here are really interesting because you have Alan Wake 2, which is definitely enjoying recency bias right now. So I think that could be a factor here. Um, same goes for Mario Wonder, although I don't think that's going to outshine Tears of the Kingdom here. Tears no. of the Kingdom, I think the thing that makes Baldur's Gate 3's matchup with Tears of the Kingdom interesting is that because Baldur's Gate 3 is a CRPG... It yeah. doesn't exactly grab everybody, whereas where you talk about Zelda, it's a much more approachable game, and it has that longer lineage of people that just live and die, live, live and breathe Zelda, and have tattoos on right. their arms like some people I know, right? So, <laughs> could, right. so, so maybe I still think that it, there's a fight there that I could see a world where Zelda wins. Um, but ultimately, I think the groundswell of Baldur's Gate 3 praise might just be a little bit too big. Um, and I think the one thing I will say is that Tears of the Kingdom, and I'm not saying this, but I think Tears of the Kingdom is a little maybe too familiar to Breath of the Wild to some people, to where Baldur's Gate 3 feels fresher, and it feels more new, yeah. and it feels more interesting and uh, exciting. So Right. 
Yeah, that's and that's the thing that Tears of the Kingdom has going against it is a lot of the conversations behind Tears of the Kingdom, even now, are the fact that it feels too much like like uh, like Breath of the Wild, which I don't agree with. Uh, but I I I understand that that is a sentiment right now, and so when it comes to voting, yep. I think like you said, I think people want the new and the fresh and the things that caught that caught them off guard because this has been a year of surprises. You know, it's been a year of great games, but also a year of surprises for sure. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to that next category, Marco. Best game direction. Uh, nominees here are the same. Uh, we have Island Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Marco, this this is always a, a weird one for me. Uh, I, 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 I'm not very good at, at, at predicting this because I look at this from a lens of a movie director and so i want to say like alan wake 2 is going to win it because that's the fmv stuff on it but you know do you think anybody here was snubbed from this category and who do you think is going to win um when it comes to snubs i don't think so i think this is a pretty good list here of of nominees there's no one that really stands out that's like oh that that feels like it should be here um so i I don't think anybody got snubbed I, i think who is going to win is Alan Wake 2. I think that is going to take the win here. Um, I just think that it's it's such an artistic flex for Remedy in that Kojima Productions type of way that, you know, it, it it's kind of up its own butt in, in that sense. But I almost think that's, that's like, that's the perfect game to win an award like this, you know, where it's that very art house type of thing. And it, it, pulls it off whereas i think Baldur's gate 3 i appreciate the direction there but there's not as much uh artistic savvy i think with a game like that or spider-man 2 which is very summer blockbuster movie kind of appeal and mario i i guess you can applaud the creative design that they that they did with a lot of the the missions and levels that they have in that game but i just don't feel like game direction is quite it for them either I don't even think Zelda wins that, I th- but I think that yeah, I think that yeah. I think Alan Wake's probably the biggest competition is Zelda. I think it's just to me the, the 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 game that wins this award is the game that has like the visionary most people know, and I think Sam yeah. Lake is that guy for Remedy. So I think it's just like I can see him standing up on stage accepting this award in my mind. So I think it's theirs. Marco, I, I hear you, and that's exactly how I think about these things. But I. I've always been kind of led astray because there's so many different ways that people look at what game direction is and what that is. I, 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 I instinctively, I want to say Alloway 2, but I'm actually going to go Baldur's Gate 3. I think that all the branching paths and all the things that you can do and how that still all comes together at the end to tell a cohesive story with all the choices that you've made throughout the game coming together in a satisfying way for most people. I think that that's probably what's going to win here, giving kind of like the award to the person, to the, to the, group that had to juggle the most things to do and kind of producing a product like Baldur's Gate 3, that's kind of who I think is going to win here based on the fact that there are so many things in that game that you can that you can do and, 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 and the end result being a cohesive story uh, with your choices all integrated within that game. So that's fair. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going Baldur's Gate 3 here for sure. Okay. Um. So let's move on to the next category. The next one is best adaptation. We're going to skip that one right along and get into best narrative. Mm. Marco, best narrative. This is our this is our shit right here. Uh, The nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, 
Final Fantasy 16. Uh? Marvel Spider-Man 2. Those are the those are the nominees. Marco, uh talk to me. Any 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 narrative game that you think got kind of snubbed and who do you think is going to win? Well, I'll say this. I don't <laughs> think <laughs> Some of you know where we're going with this. Final Fantasy 16 just shouldn't be here. Um the potential was through the roof. Um but I think that that game is one of the most hollow spectacles I've seen in a Final Fantasy ever. I would prefer... a. There's a laundry list of games I think belong here. Yes. Uh, the fan in me I w- would say Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. I, Hell yeah. I could throw... I could throw so many games in here. Even even stories that I didn't even love like that. Like, I think we're better. The Expanse, a Telltale series. Uh, I, I, Man, there's just... There's a lot of games like... I, even though I wasn't a big Octopath Traveler two fan, I think that the the that's one of the big snubs I think this year in, in general, and I think narratively a lot of people loved what they did with that game. Um, so I could, you know, even though I didn't enjoy it particularly, I could see that getting a spot here too. Like, eh, it just doesn't. I feel like it shouldn't be here. To be honest with you. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I don't think this game should be on here at all. I think uh, Final Fantasy sixteen, uh, you know, I, I it bored me to tears. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that really when you look at uh, the narratives of this year, I know this isn't a popular choice, and I know that uh, I think that a lot of people kind of write it off because it is a licensed product, but I think Jedi Survivor it has a great narrative, and I think that it probably belonged here if we're talking about Final Fantasy 16 being a candidate here. Uh, and obviously, uh, what you said with, with Oxenfree 2, uh, I think that's yeah. that that should have definitely been here as well. I like TIE-FI Rush's uh, story, actually. Yeah, I like and, and 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 if you're looking, if you look at other games here, I mean, I, I know like a dragon guy. Didn't people like or talked about the thing they talk about is the story of that game? Yep. Uh, but you know, it's it's it is what it is. Yeah, it's gonna uh, get, it's gonna get nominations because it's Final Fantasy. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. So what do you think? Who do you think is gonna win here? I think this is where Baldur's Gate Three is gonna take it. I think Alan Wake Two makes a really compelling argument, and I love Phantom Liberty's story a lot. Uh, great pick here. I don't think Spider-Man 2's story was as strong as the others here. I think Baldur's Gate 3, with just the amount of player choice you get, um, the amount of things that you can stumble into, I've heard that I, I haven't had the pleasure of playing it yet. I'm waiting for the Xbox version to come out, but um, I've heard so I'm many. to play that alongside with yeah, you. Yeah, I've heard so many awesome things about this story, dude. It's it, to me, I think that the 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 amount of writing that they that they've done, where they nailed, I think they nailed quality and quantity at the same time, and that's hard to that's hard to walk away from as a yeah. winner. So I, I would go with them. Yeah. I, I, here's, here's where I think that, uh, that, uh, Sam Lake goes up there and takes an award here mm. for, uh, for Alan Wake two. Okay. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the conversations that have been had about Alan Wake two have primarily been about the narrative and the way the narrative has been dulled out and the way that story is, is being told. Uh, I, I, I think that that is going to drive a lot of people to vote for Alan Wake two being the best narrative. Uh, before we move on, though, one thing that I, one game that I think also deserved here to be on here, to to, to my surprise, should have probably uh, been Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, that yeah. that narrative 
it was really good. And, and I, it, when you look at other Zelda games, they don't really do the things that that Tears of the Kingdom did. The chances they took, like yeah. the big swings they took with some of the the, the, the stuff at the end, was like mind-bogglingly good. So very true. Anyway, but I, I digress there. Uh, do you want to tackle best art direction? Yeah, so we got the nominees being uh, Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Pablo, any snubs? Any Anything that stands out to you, good or bad? And, and who would you pick here as your uh, predicted winner? Yeah, um, I, I think here this is where Tears of the Kingdom probably takes an award. Uh, I just think, obviously, it looks a lot like Breath of the Wild, but it, it's just a beautiful kind of uh game in the way it looks um I, but I, I i i know super mario bro like the the wonder uh, wonder that our direction is crazy but i don't know i i just really feel like this is where tears of the kingdom takes an award more or less because it's not going to win anywhere else unfortunately mm. but yeah how about you i would have liked to have seen starfield in this category i think the nasa punk oh, yeah. aesthetic was really really beautiful um I, I really really enjoyed that a lot i think they nailed that analog old school sci-fi retro retro futuristic feel uh really really well um but you know that's not something i'm gonna die on a hill for per se um so i'm I, generally speaking i'm okay with the art direction i think alan wake 2 is gonna win this one to be honest um i think hi-fi rush to me is a, a stronger contender than i think some people will maybe give it credit for here because it's just True. how well how beautiful that game is uh but i think so alan beautiful. wake 2 is just such an artistic tour de force that I think that art direction here is to me uh, I would say kind of a shoe in for them honestly so that's my yeah. pick here All let's right. uh, kind of go rapid fire yeah, with best for yeah. music uh, Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3 Final Fantasy 16, Hi-Fi Rush and The Legend of Zelda Cheers of the Kingdom that's for best score music what do you think? I go, uh, I'm going with Zelda here I think that main theme yeah. is just it's gorgeous it's just so beautiful um Man, I, I can't get it out of my head even to this day. I think it's just a fantastic soundtrack um, and score. It's just beautiful. That's my pick. Yeah, I go Hi-Fi Rush here. I think the mm. audio des- the audio design is that game. The music, the uh, game. And yeah. I think that yeah. So I think that uh, if 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 voters are, are smart here and they look at 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 that as a whole, I think the Hi-Fi Rush should should win it. Uh, and you know, a lot of people do like Hi-Fi Rush. You know, and I, and I think that uh, it should get a little bit of its flowers somewhere here. Uh, the nominations are good, but I think maybe it should win here, and I, and I think that's what's going to win. Uh, Best audio design, Alan Wake 2, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Resident Evil 4. Marco, who do you think is going to win this category? Mm, this is a tough one, man. These are all really good in terms, uh, in terms of sound design. I, I would immediately rule out Alan Wake 2, though, because, I mean, when it's working, it's good. When it's not, it's not. Um, so I got to yeah. disqualify that. I would go Marvel Spider-Man 2 here. I just think that the 3D audio design is incredibly well done. The ambient city noise is really good voice acting is great the the action sounds correct if that makes sense i just think it's a great sounding game from top to bottom this would yeah. be my pick yeah um as a fuck you to everybody because i just oh. think that th- in terms of how this works <laughs> and how this game is being talked about i think alan wake 2 actually wins best audio design uh. here. i i'm with you marco i think <laughs> immediately i wanted to disqualify it out of out of here but i think just based on everything uh the, there's a lot of sound in this game the, the, the sound is huge in this game and, and the audio design is huge in this game as well so i think that alan wake 2 just wins it based on the fact that you know uh, it's a remedy game and it's using all those audio flares to kind of uh, create the ambiance of, of what's happening i think that 
that all these anomalies are, are are great. I think Dead Space and Resident Evil Four are great as as well as Marvel Spider Man Two. But I do think that Alan Wake Two, unfortunately, just because of all the troubles it's having in that department, is going to win it. Uh, all right, uh, best performance. Uh, let's let's keep it rapid fire yeah. here. Ben Starr for Final Fantasy Sixteen, Cameron uh, Mo- uh, Monaghan for Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Idris Alba for Cyberpunk or Elba. Uh, uh, was that was that he always alba him for some reason he ain't related elba, to jessica just elba 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 yeah sorry <laughs> uh melanie Lebert uh for alan wake 2 uh neil newburn uh newborn or newborn sorry for baldur's gate 3 and yuri lowenthal for marvel's spider-man 2 marco who do you think wins this for some reason i think everyone's got a boner with ben Starr right now so yes. i i think he's got this one pretty pretty handily even though i don't think he's the best performer out of the out of the pack here i would you know, I, I would say he's got the win here, personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it's so, I've all I've been hearing about Ben Starr, Ben Starr, Ben Starr. Um, and I guess, look, if we're going to give a, an award to, to something, uh, his performance was decent. Uh, but I I think the biggest snub here, I, I know we're going to go rapid fire, but is the voice actor that does Sid. The, he, oh, that's the guy who should have yeah. been nominated. Here. That's crazy that he wasn't nominated. And uh, Melanie Liebert, Liebert or Liebert, sorry, I don't know how to uh, pronounce your name. That's crazy to be nominated here. She, she sounds great, but she can't keep an accent to save for her life. <laughs> she uh, was this is, tripping and falling and slipping out of that thing, boy. She was yeah, that Saga Anderson, how are you doing? Like, wait. <laughs> And this isn't like a best sounding voice. This literally, this literally is best performance, and her performance is lacking. I'm American, um, in it. Bro. <laughs> uh, All right, move man. on to the next one. Let's, let's uh, innovation and ex- yeah, let's let's get this one. Right. It, uh, games for impact. We'll skip yeah. that one. Ongoing game. Best ongoing go game. Yeah. We can skip that one as well. Support. Best community support. Let's go ahead. Best independent game. Let, let's tackle this one quickly. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Cocoon. Dave Did Diver, Dredge, Sea of Stars, Viewfinder. What game do you think wins here? Well, I think everyone's been complaining that David Diver isn't really an indie game, uh, technically it's, speaking. It, so it's really not. It's like, not. Um, I, I would rather have seen something here that is actually more befitting of the category. Um, you know, like uh, our beloved Oxen Free uh, too. Yeah, yeah. Venba could have been here as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think Sea of Stars has this one. I think people are really in love with that game. Um, it's uh, it, it seems to be you know really captivating a lot of people, and I've heard some people say if it wasn't for you know Baldur's Gate three or Tears of the Kingdom, it'd be their number one. So I think yes, yes. I think that that there's a groundswell there of support for that game. I think that's going to show through here, if in my opinion. One hundred percent agree. Sea of Stars is definitely winning this uh, category. Uh, best debut indie game: uh, Cocoon, Dredge. Pizza Tower, Venba, Viewfinder. Marco, who do you got? Who do you think got this? I'm going to give Cocoon this one, actually. Um, I, I really like Dredge's chances. A lot of people speak very highly of that game. Um, and Venba's story has really resonated with a lot of people. Uh, but I think Cocoon really took a lot of people by surprise not too long ago. So I think this would be a good win for uh, for this team here. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a, a game here that's a little bit like uh, out of out of the blue here, but it's a game that when it came out, people were really uh, talking about it. It's a Steam classic. It's like one of the highest rated Steam games, and I think that those communities, people who vote for this kind of stuff, is a game they're really gonna uh, kind of gravitate to, and that's gonna be Pizza Tower. I think Pizza Tower is a game that people are going to uh, vote for, and and I think it's it wins here. Um, best mobile game. We'll go ahead and skip yeah. that. We can probably, we <laughs> best can probably VR, skip. AR game. Let's skip down to action game. 
Yeah, let's go right down to action game. A good call there. Best action game. Oh, here you are. Armor Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, <laughs> Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. Marco, who do you think wins this uh, this weird category? It's going to come to me personally. I think it's either be Armored Core 6 or Hi-Fi Rush. I think right. because Jeff Keighley got the exclusive jump on Armored Core, it's going to end up being Armored Core um, yeah. I, I think Hi-Fi Rush can take this, though. If I think the Xbox yeah. community really rallies behind this game for the voting. It can it can creep up and get the win, but I, I'm going Armored Core here. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to actually go Hi-Fi Rush here. I, hey, I think okay. just because of what you said, I think uh, I think the community is going to really rally behind this and, and and give themselves a few pats on the back and a couple of wins there. And I think that this is an opportunity where they can really uh, uh, take that and, and get an award here that, with Hi-Fi that. Rush. Take that, take that. All right, uh, best action slash adventure game. That's different. A- Alan Wake 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Marco, who do you think wins this? Pablo. This is actually a surprisingly competitive uh, category here. It's competitive, but guess what? Snub alert. Oh. It's time to talk about it, because this is the perfect category for it. Where is Hogwarts Legacy? Oh man! Honestly, man, we got to talk about it. I'm, we know, we, we, we know be, the deal. We know the deal. Let's, yeah. But I'm gonna be real. I think, and I, I think Hogwarts, and I, I, I don't even know why I didn't bring this up earlier. I think that Hogwarts got snubbed from about five other categories that we already talked about. Um, I, I just think that that game does so many good things, and if they weren't going to. You know, give it a spotlight in, in, in Game of the Year for, for the reasons that we know. It should have definitely been on here somewhere. I mean, it's it's not connected to, to, to JK at all. It's a whole different story. Uh, it's disappointing, honestly, that, that we weren't able to kind of separate that from this and give that game its flowers because that game is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, you know, I think they're trying to avoid as much controversy as possible here. Um, I just... You know, I'm going to be that guy. I don't think it's fair to the team behind this game. They they have the highest selling game of the year, uh, and it's not particularly right. close right now. How you how you can have an award ceremony about the best games of the year and not acknowledge the highest selling game of the year uh, to me is pretty baffling. Um, and I think that the industry is just kind of showing a little bit of immaturity, in my how opinion, and not not being able to distinguish you know a video game. Uh, a video game versus, you know, uh, a, a creator of an IP, you know, like, right. unfortunately, we're in a society now where any game you buy, any, any piece of media you consume, anywhere you go to eat, anything you buy, anything you wear, there's some asshole that works there that's responsible for it. So yes, if, if you're going to, if you're going to avoid this game, then you better keep that same energy with a lot of other stuff that 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 you're consuming out there uh, as uh, you know as as a customer of goods right so i just think that it's it's i think it's a weak move <sighs> um but i also understand from jeff's perspective that the backlash from certain communities of, and certain fan bases would but be that's... palpable and would make things difficult for him but i think he this is where this is where the cowardice of jeff keely comes into play in my opinion he's just that's trying it. to be too much of a pleaser at times, um, and not enough of like, hey, this is about video games. This is not about politics. This is not about racial wars or gender wars. Um, I wish there was a better way that they handled this. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Kelly would rather have the smoke from feminists when he doesn't have a single female on any of his on any of his summer game yeah. fest shit. I, I, I think it's silly, honestly. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it it's a game, and we're you're doing a game show. You're more concerned with giving us more Imagine Dragon bullshit music <laughs> and celebrity cameos that nobody wants. And there's trans representation gonna... in the game too. Let's let's yeah, let's also call yeah. that out. Like every race is is accounted for. It's very inclusive. And she's not in. It's made it's by an creation. inclusive team. Yeah, it's it's her creation, J.K. Rowling's creation, but it's not her game. She didn't write it. She had nothing to do with it. It's 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 coming from that world, but it's its own thing. And I think that it should, at the very least, that con- and and this is an important moment. They they could have had the moment in this game on stage, and they could have talked about this. You know, it, it could have been more than just uh, not talk about it at all. They could actually br- bring awareness to 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 this, and, and they decided to do nothing at all with it. And it's so disappointing. Yeah. Uh, well, let me let anyway, me get my who, quick. Yeah, let me get my yeah, pick who's here. Gonna win? Action adventure. I think this is going to um, Tears of the Kingdom. This is yeah. Tears of the Kingdom for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm with you there. Tears of the Kingdom will win this. Uh, all right, on a very competitive uh, category, <laughs> that is a one horse race in my opinion. That's best RPG. We got Baldur's Gate three, Final Fantasy sixteen, Lies of P, Sea of Stars. And there's Starfield with a nomination. Marco, who do you think is going to win Best RPG? And are any snubs? Uh, uh, snubs, I think Octopath Traveler 2 should have probably swapped out with Liza P. That doesn't feel like it belongs in this echelon to me. I, I mean, I, I don't mean no. that in a way where Liza P is not good. I just don't. Right. To me, it's more of an action adventure kind of game than an RPG for me. Um, but that's just my mental genre pick for that game. I would have liked to have seen Octopath Traveler 2 get represented. Uh, I would say Baldur's Gate 3, though, hands down. Yeah, 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 but it is Baldur's Gate 3, in my opinion. I think that's what's going to win here. Uh, all right, so moving on from that. I think this could be our uh, last one here as far as the nominees go. The rest of them, yeah, soon, yeah, unless that's, you got that's one. a good idea. Let, let's go ahead and go. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do. Uh, well, let's do this one and most anticipated. Okay, yeah, uh, that's fine. last two. So, best fighting game, uh, God of Rock. Okay, uh, Mortal Kombat 1, uh, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl 2. Pocket Bravery and Street Fighter Six. All this to say, congratulations, Street Fighter Six, on your on your on your win, Marco. What do you think? No, I think it's Mortal Kombat. I think the really? this is going to be another like Jeff Keighley gives the rub to to uh, Nether Realm because they gave him exclusives uh, with Mortal Kombat um, with the Summer Games Fest and stuff like that. I think this is going to be the hey, we'll give you the award if you give us some. Yikes. Give us some of that, some of that coverage, some of those exclusives, and I think it's going to shine through here. Even though I agree, uh, Street Fighter Six should win. I think this is where the the Game Awards politics come into effect here in Mortal Kombat. Gets oh, the nod. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's fair. Uh, let's move on to our last category that we're going to cover here on the show. That's going to be most anticipated game. That is not this Grand Theft Auto Six. <laughs> yeah, it's not our here, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is, I think this one is one of the ones that is 100% uh, fan voted. Yeah. Uh, so it's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Hades 2, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, Star Wars Outlaws, and Tekken 8. Marco, who do you think wins this? Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yeah, man. Yeah. I don't think it's. I, I, I think we do see the percentages here, and I think that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is going to be crazy ahead. Hades uh, 2, I, Hades I, 2 I, might, I, yeah, might. I was going to say, the, yeah. I was going to say Hades 2 probably a close second yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's what I'm going with too. All right. 
You have it? Nice. Buckle, so that wraps up my portion here of uh, the nominees of the Game Awards. December 7th, I think it's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yep. And we'll definitely talk about that once those uh, awards are given out. What do you got, Barco? All right, let's move on, man. Uh, let's talk about sales numbers because uh, we've got some numbers in from the month of October. Uh, according to the latest Circana data, formerly known as the NPD numbers, uh, here are the top three selling games of the month. Number one is Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Uh, and uh, not only is it the highest selling game of October, it is already the fourth highest selling game of the year, period, for just a PlayStation-only exclusive. That's pretty incredible, Pablo. Any thoughts Fire. on this uh, runaway success for Insomniac and PlayStation here? Yeah, not surprised. I think Marvel Spider-Man 2018 also had a record-breaking kind of uh, uh, launch. I think it, it was immediately became the best-selling PlayStation 4 game within a month of it releasing. Uh, this is Marvel's. This is Marvel. This is a huge IP. Spider-Man is probably the biggest uh, superhero in terms of like. Uh, when you look at all the Marvel heroes, Spider-Man is always on top. And I think this yeah. is, you know, and the game was good. So, like, the fact all those things together, this does not surprise me at all. Uh, and and I'm, I'm happy for it because it, it is a very good game and it deserves uh, the praise. And obviously, people playing it. Yeah. I mean, PlayStation gamers are really, you know, they, they got a, a really good game here. Uh, and it's yeah. Spider-Man. It's got the, the Marvel push behind it as well. Uh, to me, it was... Um, you know, it 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 was gonna sell. I guess I just wasn't expecting it to already be the fourth highest selling game of the year. And yeah, that's crazy. You got to figure we got you know we got the holidays to get through now. I think it can probably crack top three if it if it messes around and 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 does its thing. I it, I I don't know for sure if it's gonna be in bundles. Uh, with the new PS5, I've heard rumblings of maybe that, or it could be misremembering. But if they add that to the mix as well, and that counts as a sale, then I think this is going to mm -hmm. go uh, right into that top three spot for sure. Um, the other two games that were uh, in the top three of October, at least, was Super Mario Brothers Wonder at the two spot and Assassin's Creed Mirage at number three. Pablo, any thoughts yeah. here? Well, I. And Super Mario Bros. Wonder was no slouch. It is the biggest Mario launch on a Switch platform. I think it sold 3,000 more copies than, uh, than the two-week sales for Odyssey and 13,000 more copies than Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So that's huge, man. That's that's massive, quietly uh, out here killing it. As for Assassin's Creed Mirage, I'm not too surprised, actually. I'm not sure that staying power there is going to be within the next couple of months. But, you know, this is uh, Assassin's Creed is a very big IP. And this is, you know, a game that's been talked about for a very long time, kind of going back to basics. It's a game that I enjoyed quite a bit after getting through some of the lulls that it that it brought on early on. Uh, and I'm not too surprised. I'm 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 actually glad it did well. Uh, and I hope that we get more of these kinds of Assassin's Creed games, though I doubt it knowing what we well, we have coming up. I don't know. We'll see, because maybe this signals up to Ubisoft, hey, maybe people really like the old-school Assassin's Creed formula. Look how well this is selling. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't like Mirage very much at all, but the fact that it is that old-school formula and is performing this well shows Ubisoft that, hey, we don't have to make a 200-hour bloated Assassin's Creed Ugh. game to get sales. We can make something that's smaller uh, in scope, uh, cheaper in price, because it retailed at 50 bucks. And it will sell like hotcakes. So I hope this is a, a, a good, uh, you know, turning point for Ubisoft and how they handle the series moving forward. Now that they see this success, as far as Mario goes, yeah. Mario's Mario. He's him. That's to be expected. Right? <laughs> he is. Um, 
This next one is pretty interesting, though, and I want to spend a little bit of extra time here because we got to talk about the Xbox games that are on the list. Because uh, there are two games. Um, Starfield, um, back in September, it was the highest-selling game of the month. Uh, in October, it fell from first place down to 14th place. Meanwhile, Forza mm. Motorsport, uh, which debuted, um, I think, somewhat early in October, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, has debuted at number 17. Now, you know, obviously let's let's keep perspective here. Anytime you have um, anytime you have two games in your top 20 best-selling games of the month, that that is a good thing. So I'm not playing down the fact that both of these games are um, you know, they're they're lower on the list, so that's a bad thing. But I I guess it does sort and of They're also on Game Pass. They are. So. Yeah. But it does bring into focus something that I've always thought about with Xbox first-party games that I guess are not named Call of Duty at this point, right? And that is right. the, the notion of staying power, right? I think a problem that I have noticed with Xbox games is that they're kind of what I've dubbed one-month wonders. You know, they'll come in pretty hot, like Starfield did, and then within like one or two months time, they're already bumped out of the top 20 and they're kind of yesterday's paper in, in, in a manner of speaking. So I, you know, while going from first to 14th for Starfield isn't like gloom and doom per se, I do think that it's pretty interesting that there is that dramatic of a drop off, whereas I don't see, you know, not to compare apples to oranges per se, but I don't see Spider-Man 2 running into a problem like that. I don't see Mario Wonder running into a problem like that. I don't see Hogwarts Legacy running into a problem like that. And I know that some of those are established IPs, so it's not a fair-ish comparison, but I guess the point remains for me that um, I think Microsoft has to do a better job of keeping their foot on the gas with marketing um, and keeping these games in the conversation and zeitgeist as much as possible. Um, and with Forza, I'm actually surprised it debuted that low. Now, I know it's a niche game because it's a sim racing game and those aren't like the that's not going to take the world by storm, per se. But launching at 17 for uh, a franchise that's been pretty a pretty good seller. Um, throughout its history, I think is a little jarring and, and disconcerting because if, it, if it's if it's coming out at 17th, next month it's not going to be on this top 20. And right. I would even be shocked if Starfield stays in the top 20 at this point. So I guess I'm asking kind of an open-ended question here, Pablo, but what do you think of that, um, th- this concept of the one-month wonder syndrome with Xbox games, the staying power yeah. issue? Do you think that's a real thing or is that kind of being conflated? No, I think it's real. I, I I think it's weird because the way Xbox treated Starfield pre-launch and the way it treated post-launch is night and day. It's like it came I mean, and went almost. Yeah, it, 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 it feels like that because that's how Xbox kind of treated it. It's like, ooh, we finally got Starfield out. We did it! And that's it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what it feels like yep. because usually even with Spider-Man, you know, Yes, it's the only first-party PlayStation that came out this year, and so obviously it's the only game they're talking about. But I do feel like Spider-Man Two has that staying power because they keep PlayStation. Sony keeps talking about it. I, I don't really see uh, the likes of Phil Spencer or Sarah Bond or Aaron Greenberg still tweeting about uh, uh, about Starfield or, or or things like that sort. But this has been quiet like, as hell too. 
yeah so it's just one of those things where i don't know if it's like if it's just that's what bethesda does i can't really recall like previous games and their staying power uh but all i know is that starfield is big for xbox and ever since it launched it kind of feels like xbox just feels like good that they got it out and now they're ready to move on maybe that's what's happening you know uh in terms of like focused on the future since whatever starfield does whether it's first today and 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 gone tomorrow it's not really going to move the needle for them in in terms of console sales maybe that's what's happening here but i mean there is some some positive concern when you're going from first to 14th and and in a game that you've been talking about uh for a while as xbox talking about their forza franchise debuting at 17 I, i i know game pass has a lot to do with that but you know it's, it's a little bit weird because when you look at even games like Liza P also on Game Pass selling a million copies that's huge for a little studio like that so it's kind of like you can still sell games and be on Game Pass uh, and I feel like Starfield just kind of fa- falling to 14th might not seem like doom and gloom but it is in my opinion a massive drop off and I think it's 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 weird and it and, and, I, and I wonder what that is uh, uh, I know people will be like, because the game's not good, because that's not true. The game is good. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's more niche. Maybe Bethesda RPG is a little more niche than we thought it was. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, but I don't know. I get, it's, I get that it's a competitive space, but at the same time, if you are Starfield and you can't climb higher than NHL 24, Modern Warfare 2, Metal Gear Solid yep. Master Collection, which is just a bunch of bad remakes, um, I, I don't know... I don't know what to say to that. Like, I, I just think that people are kind of Microsoft really needs to figure this out because that bleeds into the next thing, which is console sales. It's the same story. PlayStation is yeah. first, Switch in second, Xbox is dead last. They've got to figure this out because Starfield was their biggest game of the year, and it really didn't make a huge different difference in terms of sales. Um, I think they're second in like making money per console. But they're still third yeah. in units sold. And so I guess what that kind of equates to is that even though Starfield has been, you know, a pretty good success between September and October, it hasn't moved the needle in terms of console units. Forza is certainly not doing that by debuting as low as 17 right now either. So um, I, I guess I get very concerned about the future of Xbox in that sense, because if, if the biggest game of your generation couldn't do it, what is going to do it? Right. And then we got to yeah. factor in that. This is the last year of the Switch's lifespan. When the next hardware comes out for Nintendo, it's going to be absolute pandemonium when that day comes. So now you're going to be even further left in the dust when everyone's rushing to get the next Nintendo console. PlayStation's going to be all right because they've already, they're already outselling Xbox 2 to 1 right now. Probably a little more than that at this point, too, because they're, just, oh, they're yeah. just rolling right now with Spider-Man out. So now you are in a extra bad position in the future if you're competing with PlayStation 5, which has already been mopping you up, and the new Nintendo console, Pablo, what do you think is going on with, with Xbox in this sense? What should they do? What can I mean, they do? I don't think there's anything they can do. I mean, we, uh, Phil kind of already alluded to that. And I know he, in that frustrating interview that he gave with uh, Kind of Funny, the X-Cast, where he said Starfield could be 11 
out of 10 and it wouldn't move the needle one way or the other. And that's, right, I and guess. That's, <laughs> yeah, he's right. I mean, I think that right now, I think that a lot of what Xbox is doing is kind of future pre- uh, future prepping, right? They're they're, they're getting they're, they're getting all their ducks uh, in a line. They're 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 you know crossing their t's and dotting their eyes for the future of their console and what that means for them. And I'm not saying that they've given up on the Xbox Series X, but I do think that they're in a position right now where even if Xbox goes on a tear, they won't even get close to what PS5 is sold and. and and absolutely not even close to what the Switch is sold. And I think there was another numbers numbers that came out with Japan where Xbox has been making a big move in Japan. And I think they only sold like 12,000 units in J- in Japan Oof. total in, in, in a month. So it's kind of like they're in a, they're, 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 they talk a good game, but reality is it's still the PlayStation Nintendo show. And I think that Xbox has a lot to, to work on. But what can they do now? Honestly, I don't think they can do anything. I really do. Yeah. I, I think that they're just gonna, they're relegated to that third uh, that third spot. Now, I would like to see an increase in sales. I would like to see you know the 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 making money, uh, the revenue go up. You know, maybe to first place if they can do that. If they can make more money than than PlayStation, I think th- those are good things to to be had. But I I just think that it's it that, that they started slow. And there's really no catching up at this point. Yeah, I, fortunately, I don't think that console sales is make or break for Xbox. I think they have a lot of different. Not, they have yeah. a lot of revenue streams now, uh, especially now that the ABK deal is closed. They have Call of Duty. They have a live service component with Warzone. They have Candy Crush. They have a lot of different avenues of income now uh, from their their gaming division to not need Xbox consoles to be number one, but. Um, they still need to figure out a way to be competitive in this in this somehow. And Starfield clearly wasn't the answer to that question. So I think that's why it's going to be all the more important for the next Gears of War to really be special, for the next Halo to really be special, for the next Call of Duty to really be special, so that the Xbox brand starts to get a little bit more clout and respect, um, which hopefully will translate to better software sales and hardware sales. But that's kind of where they're at right now and that's it's unfortunate um i think they they it's not impossible for them to have a better run but i don't think they're going to get out of third place I, I agree with you there no no yeah it's not it, look like like you said it is possible for them a good run and uh, xbox 360 dominated forever and when it all said and done playstation 3 ended up uh outselling the xbox 360 worldwide so not saying that's going to happen here for xbox but they could make it a little more respectable yeah uh, and i think that they should definitely aim for that absolutely all right man well that is going to do it for hit points this week now ladies and gentlemen listen if you've made it this far and you've been enjoying what you've been listening to uh we would really really appreciate you if you could consider subscribing to our show right now uh while you're here it would mean a whole lot to us. We're a pretty small-time podcast. We are. Uh, we don't paywall people. We're not biased. We don't do any kind of foolery or hijinks like a lot of other shows do. So hopefully you just enjoy uh, you know, listening to two guys talk about video games uh, and, and make some kind of sense, even if you don't agree with all of our opinions. Uh, if you enjoy that and you like the sound of subscribing to us, then you can catch us right where you found us. But just in case you're curious, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google other streaming services so uh, you can pretty much find us wherever you like to stream content uh, and while you're there what would be even better for us is if you leave a nice review uh, while you are with us so that would be awesome as far as helping us out with the algorithm aspect of the podcasting game in this very oversaturated podcast market that goes a long way for people like us to move up the search results and get more people to get eyes on us like you did 
So um, hopefully you'll join us in that and uh, join our small but uh, cool little community of uh, downers, as uh, we used to call them back in the day. Um, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, why don't we go ahead and get to the main event of the show that you've all been waiting for. We call that the Checkpoint Chat, so let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, man. So we have been issuing out letter grades for the big three as part of our end of year coverage. Uh, in case you missed the last couple of weeks of episodes, uh, we gave reviews for the Xbox and uh, the Nintendo Switch already. Uh, we even gave like an end of life cycle review for the Nintendo Switch. So uh, once you're done with this episode, go check those out if you get if you didn't catch those the first time to kind of see where uh, we stack PlayStation up against its competition this year. Uh, but PlayStation is up as our third and final uh, big three review here. And we're going to follow the exact same format that we did uh, for the last two uh, attempts. We're going to talk about the highs. We're going to talk about the lows. And then we're going to give our final grade for PlayStation's year in 2023 and explain why. Um, so, Pablo, why don't we go ahead and dig right into this thing. Let's talk about the highs. Uh, we mentioned it just a short while ago. Bears repeating again, though. Marvel Spider-Man 2 is a critical success and an absolute commercial smash as well. Pablo, talk to me about uh, how big of a deal this is in defining PlayStation's year, in your opinion. It's huge. They needed a hit. They didn't have a first-party game this year. They kind of put all their bread into all their bread into the Spider-Man 2 basket, and I think it paid out. Obviously, I mean, it's a good game, uh, and it's a critical and commercial success. That's exactly what you want for a game like this, uh, and it, it, it it's definitely a high for them this year. You know, it's towards the end of the year, closing out the year with a with a uh, with a game like Spider-Man 2 is huge. It's massive. It's kind of the that's kind of the dream, right? Is releasing your last game of the year and it being a massive success and that's what uh, that's what sony has done once again with another first party game here yeah they did it i mean it's just the easiest way to say it is they did it um (laughs) the reality is is that the game is good and it um i think for all intents and purposes and we'll talk about the the low side of this is i think it made the the wait for a good first party drop on playstation 5 worthwhile um, by just how well made it was. It did have some bugs at launch that I yeah, think yeah. affected some people, but they've already remedied a lot of that stuff, so that's that's not even a factor anymore. Uh, and to, to already launch in one month's time at the fourth highest selling game of the year spot and probably going nowhere but up is just... And, and again, to, to reach that level by coming out on only one platform, it's not on PC, it's not on any other console, it's strictly PS5 user base that showed up to buy this game and it it shot up that high oh my god that's pretty crazy that's that's really impressive stuff so uh gotta give kudos to insomniac and playstation for getting this game out this year i know pablo had some concerns i was pretty confident it was going to make it out this year uh and it did yeah and uh and it came out and 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 did its thing so gotta give it its credit there for sure um, moving right along, uh, speaking of games, let's stick with software for a little bit longer here. Another thing that uh, PlayStation uh, helped to, to do is secure a timed exclusive partnership with Konami for Silent Hill, particularly with Silent Hill 2 and potentially um, more uh, Silent Hill content in the future, depending on how things go. Um, with Silent Hill coming back, Konami coming back really in the gaming space and PlayStation kind of hopping on the opportunity to uh, link up with Konami. Uh, what did you think of this move? Was it savvy on PlayStation's part? And how much of a, of, of a positive is this for the PlayStation's year? 
I think it's very positive. I think that it's something that they need, uh, you know, fill in some gaps. We still don't know what they have coming out next year. Uh, yeah. We do. They do have some third party exclusives, which, uh, you know, that works. If you can fill in your year with third party exclusives while we wait for your first party stuff. I just want to play a good game. And, and, and at the end of the day, if you're able to secure that on your platform, some people don't like it. And I understand it. You know, I want everybody to be able to play it. all games, every games all the time for free even fuck it. Right. <laughs> but you know, the reality is that these, uh, these companies are trying to get your money or trying to get your, uh, you know, trying to get you to buy their console. And the fact that they're working still to get these time exclusives. And, you know, I'm not a Silent Hill fan, but I am excited for what Silent Hill 2 remake could be and the future of the genre you know like i mentioned earlier in the show resident evil remakes completely you know made me a fan of that series and i'm i'm hoping that that what that this game this remake and and what they do with silent hill going forward is that good that also makes me a fan of silent hill so uh this is huge i i think that you know the verdict is still out in terms of whether it's going to be a good game but you know the fact that they were able to secure that, and uh, I think that's awesome for them. Yeah, this is uh, that opportunistic side of, of PlayStation that I I really like when they when they pick them well, which we used to say they did. They you know they know how to pick them, and I think this is one of yep. those cases where hey, Konami's getting back in the game. Let's jump on that. Let's talk to them. Let's see what we can broker with those guys. Um, and I think that was really savvy of them. Um, you know, I think you know it's reminiscent of, of Square and their collaboration with them with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and uh, 16, which we'll talk about in a, in a little while here. But, um, you know, you, you got to give them credit where credit's due. When they know they're having a drier year in first-party content or if when they anticipate that's coming, they do try to offset that as much as possible by securing these types of partnerships. And I do appreciate the fact that they do that to stay competitive. So I, I do have to tip my hat them there um as far as first party stuff goes uh very recent news the last of us part two remastered was announced for ps5 and pc uh you know which initially had a lot of people going oh no how much i bought this already thankfully uh we didn't get jim ryan uh, we got a $10 upgrade path uh, for current owners of the game. Thank goodness. Uh, so, you know, I guess we can tackle this in two ways, Pablo, because we didn't talk about the announcement itself. And so I, I do want to get your thoughts about the general announcement. And then we can, of course, tether that to how we feel like this, um, you know, plays into the, the PlayStation's year. Uh, so talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, this was questionable when it was announced in terms of, like you said, Marco, what is this going to be? Are they going to charge us $70 for a game that they're claiming to be a a remaster and how much of it is remastered and all that good stuff? Uh, But the fact that it is a $10 upgrade, uh, I think that's good. I think that's the way PlayStation does business when it comes to some of their upgrades. Uh, And I've been looking for an excuse to get back into The the Last of Us Part 2 and replay it. Uh, And, uh, you know, the $10 upgrade path is... Is, is is a is a why not for me you know uh i think that it's 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 good look for them i think it's kind of like an olive tree branch uh uh to to, to us gamers after the, the the rocky year they've had and kind of the, the 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 stuff they've done especially i mean i think the last of us remake was great uh but you know 70 dollar kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and you know that they could have easily done that here uh but the fact that they didn't uh I, i'm glad that they went back to the 10 dollar upgrade format here uh and i think it's good I I think it's good for them. Uh, Last of Us 2 is is probably one of the best games 
of all time, you know, right up there with with the original. Uh, and so it's good to, to to be able to to play this again on the place on the PlayStation Five and, and get it with all those bells and whistles. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is uh, this was inevitable. I think based on the success of the HBO series, they were going to want to. Uh, get The Last of Us Part Two back in the market in a bigger way to capture that, those new audiences. Um, and I think that's a smart move, uh, just like I thought it was a smart reason to remake the first game. Um, the, the upgrade path being 10 bucks, I mean, wouldn't have been nicer if it was free, uh, because, you know, their competition tends to do that with Xbox, but uh, $10 is not a, a hard ask for me as, as such a huge super fan of The Last of Us, so I'm definitely in. Um, I, I would say I, I don't think that new roguelike mode does anything for me. It doesn't. Right. I, yeah. I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to play a prettier and better performing uh, Last of Us Part Two main story. That's all I really care about. Um, I want to go into photo mode and take a thousand screenshots and be annoying on social media by posting them all. That's what I want to <laughs> do. That's my goal. Uh, and I think this is going to do that for me. So, and I think the 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 fact that it's coming out uh, in January. I know we're not talking about 2024 here, but I think that's a nice um, warm up to hopefully what'll be a, a strong year for them uh, by getting something like that out early at the top of the year. So I'm 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 looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, um, and, I, and I really don't like the conversations online, the nitpicky conversations about oh, like we really don't need this. It's like okay, maybe we don't need it, but it isn't. It's optional. And why do we praise you know Metro Prime remasters and other remasters that come out? But then when this is out, we all, suddenly we have to be like, I can't believe you're charging us. I mean, come on, man. This that's that's the way these things are, and and, and that's how they work. And I I'm glad that that we're going to get the opportunity to play on the PS5 on this game. Yeah, agreed. Uh, getting into the hardware side of things, Pablo, I mean, we touched on it when we talked about the sales figures of October, but look, I mean, this year has been the year of PlayStation in terms of hardware sales. The PS5 has been selling like crazy, and we got to eat some crow, I guess, from a sales standpoint about the PS Portal. It is sold out almost everywhere. Uh, the scalping market is in full effect. Prices are shooting up for it. So it clearly has uh, some demand, and, and it's showing through by its sales being so great. Um, regardless of what we think about the actual device itself, I mean, hardware-wise, just sales-wise, it's, it's, it's doing its thing. So uh, talk about it, man. How, how impactful of a year has this been from a sales standpoint for PlayStation, and how, how much does this weigh into their, their successes this year? It's record breaking, really. Yeah. I think a lot of the a lot of the sales numbers that we're seeing for PS five we've never seen ever for any console in the history of consoles. And that's massive. I mean that's I mean that as a company that's what you want. And you know, yeah, PS portals is is huge. I mean it's easy to kind of poo-poo it just because of what it is. I still think that it's a necessary piece of equipment, but some people have begged to differ and it isn't at all like the uh, like the like uh, PSVR2 which is kind of, you know, released into obscurity and nobody's ever talked about it ever again. So, you know, it, I still think that they do some weird stuff with 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 hardware things that they make that don't need to be made but this is a resounding success you know and i think that at the end of the day regardless of how a company views success like xbox might not seem console sales as successful but this is huge when you are when you have a piece of hardware and it's outselling the competition two to one if not even more in a lot of ways it's it, it's massive it's 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 the one thing you want and I think that they've done this back to back with PS4 and now PS5, uh, and it only seems to be getting bigger, even 
going through all the shit that they're going through. So it's very impressive, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the PS Portal is a one-trick pony, but I guess that trick is really, really working out for some people who, who wanted a solution like that. So more power to PlayStation for anticipating that need. Um, I, I'll i readily admit, I talked my, my, my crap about that device. Um, I mean, I still stand by some of it. Um, I think it's a yeah. silly, it's a silly item, but... It's it's silly enough to work, I guess, and you have to you have to give credit where credit's due there for Sony to understand the the potential it had to to sell, and that's two hundred more dollars per unit that's going right into their their pockets and um, making the PlayStation even more usable at home, uh, which is that that counts for something, right? PlayStation Five outselling everybody uh, is just it's it's bananas. That's all I could say. I mean, it's just insane. But um, I gotta, I have to say it's deserved. I mean, more so because of how great last year was, and they were riding a lot of that momentum into this year. Um, that's certainly a big contributing factor here. But regardless of the reasons why people are buying PlayStation Fives, people are buying PlayStation Fives, and I think that that, um, despite some of the things we'll talk about in the lows shortly, uh, is is ultimately what matters most to PlayStation, and it's what begets. Uh, successes like Marvel Spider-Man 2 uh, selling as insanely well as it has because you have that install base uh, of people. So and, and devs, you know, developing games with your console's priority. Exactly. You know? It's the lead so, skew, unofficially. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and last but not least, real quick, this is just a quick high that I, I, I like. I like shining a light on this. Uh, PlayStation's access controller is coming out on December 6th, uh, so very shortly, uh, which is designed to support players with accessibility needs, which I am a big advocate for. Uh, you know, gaming is for everybody, and uh, thankfully, PlayStation has, has finally uh, joined uh, Xbox uh, with having a, a special controller that um, fits all kinds of accessibility needs, which I think is excellent. Uh, PlayStation, I, I will always give them credit for doing a great job with accessibility features in their games as it is. Now that you have a controller that adds even more flexibility and approachability for people with those needs, I think that's just amazing. Uh, and it just gives PlayStation, um, you know, even more reason uh, to be, you know, uh, in, in people's households, uh, even if they have disabilities. So I think it's amazing. Yeah. 100% for sure. And it's better better late than never. It took Absolutely. a while to get here, but hey, it's finally here, and, that, and that's great. You're up, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're up. Nintendo don't care about disabilities. My God. They don't care. They, they really don't. <laughs> like, they don't. I'm trying to be facetious. I, I'm, I, they don't care. They that's, don't. Not, that's not at all in their, yeah. in, in their mantra. This is why people end up uh, emulating and modding their games and running it off of their PC and using other control. This is, yeah, I don't want to advocate for that. I'm just saying that this is why people find other means to play switch games. Sometimes I'll leave it there. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the lows Pablo. And, uh, regrettably we have quite a list here to talk about. Uh, again, we're an unbiased podcast, so we're going to call it down the middle. And here is the other side of the coin. Um, and listen, I think, um, we just got to say it. Jim Ryan, Jim Ryan and Jim Ryan, the Jim Ryan, the state of organizational disarray that he is kind of left behind at PlayStation, his departure and everything that's kind of happening around that, including pulling people down with him like, uh, you know, Connie and, and um, you know, just kind of uh, going a little scorched earth in a way on his way yep. out the door. And, and now the 
interim CEO thing. I mean, Pablo, there's this is a big this is a pretty big mess internally at PlayStation. Uh, talk about how low of a low this has been. It's very it's 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 a, it's a Absolute low. It's it's the one thing that we've been covering a lot in the last couple of months here because it's just been so bafflingly bad. It's so bafflingly bad that it's like I don't even understand how they got they let it get this bad. How they let Jim Ryan try to literally run what seems like PlayStation to the ground unsuccessfully, but still creating strife within leadership to the point where uh, there's so many things going on behind closed doors. And uh, it just says, you know, we're always talking, we're talking about this here, but a lot of the, 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 the issues happening now are going to have some repercussions here in, in the near future. So the fact that 2023 is a year that kind of jumped all that's jump started all that is, is, is troubling. And yeah, it's 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 not been good at all. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. I mean, um, a lot of the things we have on this list of lows are a direct result of Jim Ryan and yeah. the way that he's chosen to lead uh, by brute force and uh, to to force things down the consumers' throats and and to really be very brutish um, with the way that he conducts business and the way that he treats consumers. Uh, just you know, really, in terms of a figurehead, I think he was the worst PlayStation's ever had. Um, just didn't seem like he was very well connected to the gaming community whatsoever. He's not approachable. He's not a guy that you can take as like sincere. Even when he showed up in like the PlayStation Showcase and he came on screen, and it's like you and his stupid hair. You look like an asshole. <laughs> Your little beady eyes. I can't trust people with the beady eyes. <laughs> <syndrome. laughs> oh, he's that dude, man. He's that scummy. He's a scummy corporate. He's he's the corpo corpo scum yeah. from Arasaka. I don't know why I did that, like uh, with a Bill Walton impression, but whatever. It's supposed to be Keanu, but whatever. It, got, it kind of sounded like Keanu. It's actually not too bad. Arasaka sucks. Uh, <laughs> he always talks about his cock every cutscene. That's <laughs> Keanu does. Reeves. Uh, anyways, yeah, it it was bad. And I think uh, let's let's jump into the next thing. Here we have as a low is is you know, again a. Another direct result of Jim Ryan. It's the controversial Games as Service initiative, Pablo. How how damaging was this? Damaging. I mean, we we've seen the we've already seen uh, how damaging it is. You know, we had the whole controversy uh, with factions too, and we've had a lot of those half half of that uh, initiative already been canceled or, or delayed. Uh, kind of a lot of backpedaling based on the fact that this was the wrong way to go. The fact that they spent billions of dollars on on Bungie in order to uh, kind of uh, fortify this initiative, and it just kind of falling on its face. A lot quicker than I thought it would. I really thought this they were going to take this as long as they. I thought I thought that we were going to see those ten games and then probably them kind of reset, uh, revisit this. But no, I mean it, it's been it's been disastrous. They they bet on the wrong horse here, and uh, it's 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 showing out and it's it's not looking good for them. Yeah, I mean there's so many ways of. I mean we've we've spoken about it at nauseum throughout the last several months, but I mean. You, you nailed it. I mean, the bungee factor of them being the internal tastemakers of a successful live service game, even though theirs is circling the drain right now, is very, very weird. The issue with Factions 2 being on ice, and then they got a bad audit from Bungie because it wasn't sticky enough or whatever they said is the operative word there. I mean, it just felt like this was doomed from the start, and it's so much of a departure from what the bread and butter of PlayStation uh, first party has been that it's almost silly that they put so many eggs in this basket. When you look at the Marvel Spider-Man twos of the world that are 
selling through the roof and they didn't have to be live service anything, right? Their teams don't have the infrastructure internally with manpower and resources to, to make a successful live service game in most of these studios. So mandating it was ridiculous too. Uh, all around, it just felt like a bad call. And I hope that they can recoup as much as possible. I think they're going to have to continue to lean heavily on securing third party partnerships with, you know, like the Konami's of the world and Squares of the world to keep the year ahead or the years ahead from being too dry as some of these projects get pivoted or delayed or whatever um, so that it doesn't get too weak right now but yeah. it's, it's concerning it really is concerning it's bad when everybody who isn't even associated or works within the uh, leadership of a video game industry or company knew that once the initiative was announced was a bad was a, was not good <laughs> and everybody knew it except, except Sony and, and Jim Ryan it's crazy yeah well, we also have uh, Jim Ryan's not-so-supreme handling of Microsoft's ABK acquisition, Pablo, uh, the, the fussing about Call of Duty. Um, they're they're going to take away Call of Duty. They're going to take away Call of Duty. Meanwhile, Microsoft was like, we have a contract for you for Call of Duty. They're going to yeah. take away Call of Duty, though. Uh, how silly was this, Pablo, and how much did this kind of uh, affect the image of PlayStation, in your opinion? I mean, look... Uh, they're they're competing, they're rivals, uh, and so I understand that there's always been a level of pettiness from both sides. You know, the, the infamous uh, Yoshida, uh, Shuhei Yoshida, and uh, Adam Boy's uh, video of this is how you share games on PlayStation Four and passing it over to to the next guy. There've always been that pettiness, but. This this took on a whole different level because it was the CEO, the guy leading the charge on PlayStation out here, lying through his teeth with, with emails coming out, him pre pretty much saying he doesn't really think Microsoft is going to take, uh, take Call of Duty. All these things and just kind of being, going traveling to other countries and talking to their uh to, to 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 the people there to for them not to 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 accept this because of how detrimental this would be and kind of outlining these asinine excuses as to why this would damage PlayStation specifically and it just didn't pan out it didn't work out for them he he kind of just looked really silly when it was all said and done because when it went to court a lot of that stuff that he talked about was just was just smoke and mirrors. It really didn't mean anything. He was just trying to stop Microsoft from buying a company because it was detrimental to him. That's it. You know, it just made him look bad. Uh, but it's silly. It, it was a silly approach to the situation. Uh, and I think that they came out looking super petty to the point of where like you're really questioning leadership over there at Sony like really is this is what we're doing like this is this is where we're this is where we're kind of uh, uh this is the hill we're dying on it was, it was crazy yeah it, it always felt to me like he was trying to chase a career defining move mm -hmm. of some sort like I want this notch on my belt of blocking a 69 billion dollar deal like it was almost like ego was at play more than rational business sense because I mean, in the midst of all this kicking and screaming he was doing, he walked away from um, a pretty good contract offer with Microsoft, reportedly, where he would have got pretty much everything locked in for 10 years, and now he had to settle for Call of Duty only, and so it's like, that's well, right. that's, that's, that's what you get when you, you roll the dice like that, and I think in a way, I think part of him being gone is maybe uh, the higher-ups at PlayStation that signed his checks going, you made us look really dumb. You know, and, 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 and Sony, you know, for all their rigid business stuff, they're, they kind of thrive on that, like, honor thing. And I think that they saw the Jim Ryan thing. And I'm always speculating here. And I think they looked at him and thought, 
that made us look a little weak. That made us look a little whiny. That we don't look it's, superior if we're complaining this right. much. And it's silly when you're the the tastemaker, the market leader, and you're out here trying to play the victim. Like how this is going to affect you. Like you're out here, you're, you're selling consoles <laughs> despite your silliness and stupidity, and you're still trying to see how this is going to hurt you. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it was a little silly. Um, something that's not so silly were the mass layoffs that affected Media Molecule, Naughty Dog, and Bungie. Now, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to attack PlayStation specifically and say that only they've had layoffs. Layoffs, oh, no, have, no, no. layoffs have been one of the worst parts of this year combined uh, for just the industry as a whole um, with how many jobs have been lost and people that are still looking for work. Uh, I hope all those people find a, a safe space to land. Uh, but PlayStation was no exception. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy to see that, you know, they acquired Bungie only to lay off Bungie uh, employees. Uh, Naughty Dog's their, almost their premier studio, laid people off. Media Molecule laid people off. What, 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 what kind of look was this, man? It's a bad look specifically when you look at what they were trying to do. That, that, that Game as Service initiative buying Bungie up, making Naughty Dog staff up to work on Factions 2, and then that kind of falling flat on their face, and because of the mistake Jim Ryan made and the, and, and the wrong bet he made, now everybody else, who didn't want this to begin with, specifically Naughty Dog, now are paying the price. And then Bungie coming in thinking, all right, we're going to be able to, to really help PlayStation with their initiative, and then uh, less than a year later, a little bit over a year, they've now are without a job because sorry we fucked up we made the wrong uh the wrong decision here uh so it's a direct correlation between bad management and then seeing this you know that that's 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 what's happening and usually when you see mass layoffs like that it's because of bad management sure the 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 the, the world and, and how that's working right now and, and all that stuff has a lot to do with it but uh you know you pay a lot of people to to, to to be able to tell you about market trends and the fact that they they, they ignored all that seemingly and still spend that money on Bungie and then force Sonic Dog to work some shit you know and then kind of abandon Media Molecule and not let them do what they want to do it just just felt like a direct correlation of mismanagement and, 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 and it kind of showed out in layoffs, which is the worst way it can you know actually uh, look when, when it's all said and done. Yeah, it, it's, it's already bad enough that you know we're concerned about the first party output for the next one or two years. It's another thing when you're laying off the teams that are uh, you know most responsible for your path forward like this. Um, I, I guess layoffs are inevitable. Everybody's going through them, but uh, it, it just felt... Like when the news broke about these layoffs, it was like, my God, it is like yeah. that's when the Rome is burning thing started, you know, kind of becoming more valid because it was like, man, it feels like PlayStation's biggest enemies themselves at this point. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, it really does, how yeah. many ways can you can you shoot yourself in the foot? I mean, and it's like, oh, we found a way layoffs. Hold, yeah. let's, Hold my beer. Let's yeah. get rid of our talent. Uh, let's let's go super skeletal. That'll work out great. Um <laughs> Up next, we have the anti-consumerist stuff that we saw them go through. Uh, you know, we called out Xbox for this, full disclosure, so we're not being biased here. We, we call spades what they are. Uh, and PlayStation had their share of anti-consumer stuff. We, you know, we saw the, the new uh, PS5 Slim models, the, the digital version, got a, a price hike of $50 for really absolutely no reason. Uh, right. PlayStation Plus got a 35% price increase annually. Uh, also for no reason. Customer care. Uh, paywalled behind PlayStation rewards points, which amazing, know, amazingly bad, and just things along those lines, Pablo. That I think just you know, it was, it was one of those death by a thousand cuts sorts of feelings. Where uh, I don't know about you, but personally, I started kind of losing a lot of trust in PlayStation, really looking out for me as a consumer and thinking yeah. about value at all. 
Um, what are your yeah, thoughts? They don't really have a, like a front facing uh, like thing when it comes to, to, to consumerism or, or, or like, like, a, or like, like a, uh, a community management team. Kind right. Of a feel. Anything like that. Yeah. So it, they already seem a little bit anti-consumer and then uh, sprinkle on top of that price hikes for the sake of price hikes, just because you want to make more bang for your buck, specifically with the PS plus price hike, which they still haven't told us why it went up 35%. There's nothing that they've added to the, to the, to the program that would you know, justify that. And so you look at all that, and it just, it, it's just another fucking weird thing that PlayStation is doing. It's like, yeah, we're the market leader, Fuck you, pay me is basically how, what that comes across as. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so strange of a contrast when you look at Xbox, when you see a console that essentially pays for itself via you know what you mm-hmm. save by playing games off of Game Pass, and then you see this nickel and diming thing, um, where the, your your experience doesn't change but the price does is that's yep. just so frustrating and I think it's the obsession with PlayStation of like trying to be the Apple of this space and thinking that well we're just a prestige console and in a way they 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 somewhat earn that by just you know being reliably good in terms of output and hardware sales and software but i think that that's we're kind of back to the villain arc of playstation again where they know they're on top they're in the driver's seat and now they're going to be arrogant jerks about it and say well you you're not going to walk away from us because you love playstation so we're going to charge you more here we're going to charge you more there we're going to yep. make this more difficult and we're going to, you know, we're going to keep looking at your wallet and going, hmm, how can we get more yeah. of that money? So it, sad. it's compounding bullshit. Like you said, death, death by a thousand cuts. If this was mm-hmm. the only thing that 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 PlayStation did this year, we'll, we'll be a little more anti-consumer with some price hikes. But we didn't have any of the other controversies looming over them. Then it would be like, all right, that sucks. But, it, you know, that's kind of what the, how they've always been. But not only that. Now we have everything else to, to kind of throw on top of it, including, like you said, uh, the dry year for, for, for them and all that stuff. So It's unfortunate, that's for sure. Um, getting into the software side of things, Pablo, uh, yeah, Spider-Man was great, but that was about it. It was a very, very yeah. bone-dry year for first-party releases. There's no two ways about it. Uh, I mean, this was... I don't know if you want to compare this against Xbox's 2022, but they're they're both pretty bad years, uh, and it was yeah. really shocking to see how little we got on the first party end. Talk about it. I think the only saving grace and what what kind of stopped from fully kind of comparing them is that Spider-Man 2 came out at the end of this year, yeah. and it's and killing it everything, you know, yeah. in terms of sales. Yeah, so that's the only kind of thing that saved them. But yeah, I mean, the one thing that everybody knows about PlayStation is that their first party output is great. I mean, the 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 thing that we always talked about Xbox, or what people always said, is Xbox got no games, and that's a direct uh, the opposite because of the fact that PlayStation had all games, always had games, first party output, and all that good stuff, and the fact that. That didn't happen this year, and it doesn't look good for the for the future either. That's huge. At the end of the day, all we when we buy these consoles, we want to play games on them, and you know, and if you're known for your first party output, and you're not putting those first party games out, that's a big problem, and they're running into that already. So, yeah, they've got to make sure this doesn't keep happening for the next year or two. Um, next year is going to be really, really important. I know they're going to go ham with a lot of third party exclusives. 
Um, but they've got to make sure they have at least two or three uh, that are out. Um, you know, The Last of Us Part Two remastered is a nice way of wetting the whistle, but I don't necessarily count that. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking more like, what is Blue Point Games going to reveal? Are we going to get Ghost of Tsushima two next year? Um, you know, or even Wolverine. like even Death Stranding or Wolverine. Like, there's talk that Wolverine's going to be in 2025 now. I don't know what to believe there, but like, they've got to figure that out because, yeah, I mean, the hardware sales are great, but ultimately. You know, what Phil Spencer said about Xbox is also very similar here. Like, you know, ultimately you have to have you have to have games, you know, like you have to have games um, and you can sell through the roof. But, you know, if you don't have games to play, it's, you know, it's great to have a PS portal. It's great to have a PS5 slim. But if you're just twiddling your thumbs with it and replaying old games ad nauseum, then that's going to get old pretty quick. So they got to figure that out. Um Speaking of software, middling third-party exclusive output from Square Enix uh, is another issue here. Some people like Final Fantasy 16. We're not one of those people, so we added as, as a low. Uh, take that for what you will, listeners. But obviously, Forspoken was critically panned and not very well loved at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, this partnership with Square was... Um, Mediocre at best, I guess, is, is if we're being fair yeah. to Final Fantasy 16 having its its supporters. But uh, to us, not that great. Talk about it, though. Yeah, it, it's dangerous when you're putting some money into third-party exclusives and, and the output is not very good. Specifically, the Forspoken, which was going to, you know, was the... Is, it was the year that going to start the year off with with that exclusive, and it just wasn't very good. Uh, that's the danger here, you know. It's not you. You don't have control over that. You're you're not really in in the development of, of those games, so you're kind of throwing up a prayer, even if it is a a a, uh, a known quantity like uh, Final Fantasy. But you know, it is what it is. Final Fantasy didn't sell as well as they wanted. They thought it was going to sell. Nope. Uh, so uh, you, you throw that on top of it. Uh, it's unfortunate for them because. Again, a year where they didn't have a lot of first-party exclusives, leaning on that third-party uh, exclusive deals, it, it was huge for them, and it just didn't pan out the way they thought it would. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I don't blame them for um, wanting to get Final Fantasy 16 to be exclusive. Who wouldn't want that, right? But the the end result, to me, like you said, it wasn't great uh, from a sales standpoint, and it, it, was very, uh, it, it, it was very divisive, just like Starfield was in a way. Where it has its mm-hmm. people that love it, has its people that loathe it, um, because it's 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 a very unique game in the mainline series, right? And it just didn't catch um, for the most part, and I think that 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 kind of stinks, and um, it, it certainly changed the nature of their relationship with them moving forward. Square is now openly willing to collaborate with Xbox now, so who knows what that new relationship is going to uh, you know foster? So now it gets a little interesting because they're not so buddy buddy from here on like they have been up until this point. So um, other than Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, now what is the exclusivity game looking like for PlayStation moving forward? So it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see how this how this little partnership changes down the line. Uh, real quick, two last ones. We have uh, the PlayStation showcases and the lackluster state of plays. I think were very prevalent and obvious this year. Uh, not very good at all on on either level. Just uh, kind of wet farts, yeah. in my opinion. So that's what you want. That's what you want to do. You want you want to come out and 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 talk about what you have going on this year, what you have going out uh, next year. You want to build hype for for the PlayStation Five. You want to talk about these games and showcase them. Uh, and the fact that they were unable to do that in a significant way and actually have bad shows, it just kind of it's like all right, what's happening at PlayStation? <laughs> 
what is it that they aren't showing us? Why aren't they showing us? And what happened to all these other games that they've talked about throughout the year? Like, you know, it's like, it's it's just a weird year for, for PlayStation because they have everything else that we've already been talking about going on and the fact that they have uh, seem to be unable to, 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 to hype up PlayStation 5 for the future, even for this year. So it's... I'm very, 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 very curious what the future is going to be, specifically 2024 and beyond. Uh, but, you know, they didn't set any kind of... They, they didn't instill me with any kind of confidence uh, with the with the showcases in the state of place this year, that's for sure. Yeah, it's weird when they think that they're dangling a carrot in front of you, and they're actually dangling doo-doo. Because it was like, <laughs> Helldivers 2, don't you think this looks dope? Like, ah, nah, man. Not, not really. really. Fair yeah. game? Nah, nah, not very fair. Uh, Marathon <laughs> was like a CG trailer from Bungie. Like, congratulations yeah. for that waste of time. And now it's delayed to 2025 as well. So it was just a big, big, elaborate, well-produced nothing burger. Uh, it's yeah. so strange. And it was, uh, it fed into a lot of the things like I was concerned about personally, about you know PlayStation kind of losing their way. And I think that was the embodiment of everything people like me were concerned about all at once. And it was just sad. Um, last but not least, the PSVR 2 has been a non-starter, Pablo. This thing is just not making a difference. It's not being talked about. It feels like the red-headed stepchild of their own <laughs> damn portfolio. It's like yeah, PlayStation wait, wait, Portal. Doing. The Portal has more clout at this point than VR does. That's strange to me, but also kind of understandable. What are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why the, the PSVR 2 exists. VR has proven to be extremely niche. And uh, on top of that, you know, when you look at the other uh, VR headsets running on these massive rigs in order for, for you to be able to kind of experience that in any significant way, then you got the PSVR 2, which is, it just isn't working at that level. And then on top of that, PlayStation not supporting it. You know, they had the... the um, Call of the Mountain was it uh, the, uh, yeah. the the Horizon for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn for Middle West uh, kind of uh, spinoff game that they had on there, and that's about it. They really haven't done much. I think a lot of the conversations uh, around the PSVR have been PSVR two is with the, about the potential of it. Oh, having Half Life Alex on there, and that just hasn't been the case. They 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 just not talked about it. Anytime they have any kind of stated player showcase, it is a afterthought. It is a quick rundown of these really mediocre-looking PSVR uh, games, and they think that's going to do it for them. I think that's going to really move the, 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 the hardware. It doesn't make sense to me. It's just so weird. It's weird that it exists, and it's weird how they're treating it. Yeah, they got to figure this out. This is, uh, it, it's getting to the point where it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I don't know why they haven't made a more concerted push for... VR, but I think it's clear that it's not resonating with the the masses. Um, clearly, a lot of studios and developers out there do not believe in VR enough to commit teams to making uh, great original content for VR. Um, and PlayStation themselves really seem like they launched this without a real strategy in place. So um, they're going to have to figure out uh, how to how to retool the PlayStation VR to. Uh, and I think it's going to have to start with a price drop, a pretty noticeable one, a pretty significant one. I, I know PlayStation seems allergic to anything that goes cheaper in price, but I mean, at this point, 
either you want this thing to succeed or you want it to die. And I think if you yep. leave things as is, it's going down uh, because that's the laws of gravity and the laws of sales at this point for, for VR in general and for this too. Um, Got to make it mainstream or just let it go at this point uh, is where I'm at. But uh, look, man, those were the highs. <laughs> Those were the lows, and now some lows, lows there. Yeah, it, and it's it's time to kind of come up for air, uh, and and let's let's talk what grades we're going to give PlayStation for their yeah. year. So Pablo, give us what you uh, gave PlayStation last year for some context, and then talk about what you gave them this year and why. Yeah, last year I, I gave them a C plus. Uh, I thought it was a decent year for them. They had some stuff that came out, but overall there wasn't a lot there that really kind of. Uh, we had a lot of didn't really lead me to believe that they had a banner year in 2022. It was a it was a it was a bad year for games anyway. But you know it, it they still managed to get a C plus out of me. So that's it wasn't a terrible year for them at all. Uh, but this year is a little bit different. I mean, obviously, obviously, PlayStation has the ingredients to be successful. But it's clear to me that PlayStation currently does not have the right cooks, and they don't know what to do with those ingredients. That that's I mean, sales numbers and market share, uh, all that stuff are some of the key ingredients, but I think that they failed to capitalize on this year, and that sounds like crazy to say because they sold so much this year, but imagine them having the year that we think that they're capable of having, plus this, I think those numbers would be like exponential, like they, they wouldn't even make sense as to how huge they would be, and I think they failed to, to, to capitalize on that. And while it's not about console wars and PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo are in the same industry, comparing and contrasting is very important, and, and I think when we look at here what PlayStation has done and what they haven't done, and everything they have going on in, in the background is that stark comparison with, with what Nintendo and Xbox had going on. And so with that alone, I really can't see myself giving them anything higher uh, than a D minus uh, as it stands. I mean, Spider-Man 2 was absolutely fantastic in terms of its sales, but even for me, and this is just a me thing, I I, I don't I place uh, Spider-Man 2 didn't do a lot for me in that I think it's one of the best games of the year. I think it's a really good game for what it is, but even with that, I just it's not something that it, it, it was really like mind blowing to me. So with that said, D minus is where I'm at for for 2023 for PlayStation. Yeah, man, I, I get where you're coming from for sure, uh, and you make a lot of valid points. Absolutely. Um, last year, I gave PlayStation a B minus. Uh, I thought they had a really good year. Actually, I think that a year where they had The Last of Us Part One, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo Seven. And God of War Ragnarok, I think from a first party standpoint, I think they, they, they checked a lot of big, big boxes last year. And all of those games turned out to be pretty big successes in their own regard. So um, I, I was really, really high on PlayStation, and obviously they were rolling with sales as well. Uh, and, and the future was looking really bright. And then this year happened, and man, it's like a tale of two extremes. Because on one hand, you have the undeniable critical and commercial success of the PlayStation's hardware and um, you know their, their quaint offering, to put it lightly, of uh, first-party games with Marvel Spider-Man <laughs> 2 and basically nothing else. But you have this, like, this, this front-facing success, and then you have this internal chaos that's happening organizationally with uh, PlayStation's department. Um, and, you know, they're a company literally without a, without a leader at this point in the game. So um, it was really hard coming up with a grade for them this year because of those big dichotomies and contrasts. Um, 
ultimately I landed on C minus because, uh, in full dis- full disclosure, I my previous grades were a lot lower. I was around where you were with like a D mm-hmm. D minus, but I I gave them a C minus because I I wanted to give a little bit more weight and merit to hardware sales. And when the PlayStation Portal news was coming out that like this is selling like crazy, I was like I I had to kind of bend the proverbial knee and go okay. They they know what they're doing in terms of hardware. They they just have the secret sauce beyond even my understanding. So I I had to kind of surrender to that. That's why it's higher up. But a lot of the points you made, I actually share a lot of the same beliefs. Um, I think you you can't have years this dry from a first party standpoint um, and hope to have anything higher than a C minus in my book uh, and and honestly for a time there I didn't even know Spider-Man 2 was going to be enough to move that needle either yeah. thankfully it came out and it was as good as it was but it's uh, it, it was it was scary it was a little spooky uh, this year um, <laughs> and it, it really killed a lot of the momentum that I thought that they ended last year with in a, in a really jarring way um, and I've, I've never felt I've never seen Sony look more detached from the gaming user base than they did this year. They just felt True. very corporatized, very businessy. I didn't feel respected as a consumer as much with a lot of the things they were doing to hike prices up and screw me over. And the, <laughs> and the games just weren't coming. You know, the games just were not coming. And the ones that were that I was banking on, like Final Fantasy 16, they just didn't do it for me. So, uh, unfortunately, I think that this was... Uh, you know, at best, kind of a eh year for them. Where I I do acknowledge that. Listen, you can't be mopping up Nintendo and Xbox and 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 not have you know something braggadocious to claim for yourself. So I give them that. But you also can't let Rome burn like this either. So a lot of questions yeah. loom about the years to come for them. Um, this year, I think C- is where I'll give them uh, a little bit of clout for the sales, but a lot of concern for the future. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to clear up and say I about the sales part of it. The only reason that I don't give it too much weight, it definitely is it's impressive, it's that when you look at the industry, it's 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 a it's a PlayStation and Nintendo have been in it for so long. It's kind of like the Apple thing, where yeah. Apple is always selling phones out the ass, but really the product itself is very much <laughs> derivative and, and it doesn't really move the needle one way or the other every year that it comes out. And this is the first time in a long time that I feel like PlayStation has been a lot like Apple. For the wrong reasons, you know, yeah. it, it, it's selling out the ass because it is PlayStation, but also it's n- not really moved the needle one way or the other this year at all. So that's kind of why I had a lower, I had an F to be honest with you. But <laughs> I, I, I just that. thought, I was like, yeah, but I just, I, I, I it's, it's hard for it to, to just to be honest. It's hard to give a, a company an F when it's it's outselling pretty much everything. So yeah. it's so there is weight to the sale conversation for sure, but ultimately for me it's it's just like it's 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 harder for for the Xboxes of the world to 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 ever beat PlayStation or Nintendo in sales because of th- how new they are, but ultimately at the end of the day um you know PlayStation is this PlayStation. They're going to and they're going to sell some shit, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it just didn't they didn't move the needle for me and that's and that was shockingly it, bad for me because of how much PlayStation usually does that, specifically with their software. So now that we have, uh, we've rated all three consoles, Pablo, your official order from best to worst is now Nintendo, 
Xbox and PlayStation rounding out uh, your list. Um, any any Very final accurate. thoughts as as we you know as we look at our our full grades for all three? Um, do you feel like why do you think that that ranking ended up being the way that it was for you? I think for me uh, on a personal level, it's just about the games. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. Mario Wonder. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, and then you look Xbox. You got you know, you, you got your, uh, Starfield. Your, your your Starfield, which finally came out, and your Forza. So it's it's in Hi-Fi Rush as well. So it's it's ultimately about the games for me. Yeah. Uh, and PlayStation just didn't bring it in, in that sense. And you know, Spider-Man Two is great, but it just it's it's not. It just it, it, it that game for me is not on the level of the other games that I mentioned uh, from the previous companies. Yeah, yeah. My my order is Xbox was first for me then Nintendo, and then PlayStation. And I think that is about right as well, for similar reasons. Um, I just felt like this year was a great comeback year for Xbox, despite the Redfall debacle. I think software-wise, there was a lot more stuff that appealed to me uh, that they were putting out. And Game Pass, I think, had a... a absolutely incredible year from top to bottom uh and it's rumored to be getting even better if the rumors of Baldur's Gate 3 coming to Game Pass are true uh for the Game Awards that is going to be a hell of a pickup uh so yeah I had to give I had to give them the nod uh Nintendo I think had a really strong year as well I haven't played Mario Wonder yet so maybe that'll change my opinions after the fact but still an amazing year and PlayStation we discovered now and I think you know just compared to the other two again you were right Ultimately, games are what matter most, and I think it was just a flat year uh, with one blip on the radar, albeit a very good blip with with Marvel Spider-Man 2, but that just wasn't enough to keep PlayStation in my rotation this year because it was just more interesting stuff to do elsewhere, and I hope that that changes for PlayStation in the years to come, but yeah, that's kind of where we land, man, so... uh, that's going to wrap up our uh, letter grades for the big three. We hope you enjoyed the last few weeks of coverage in that sense, but our end-of-year coverage is going to continue uh, with even more discussions about the year that was, uh, and we're going to get into some more game-related stuff next week, so please be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, listen, that's going to do it for this week. So if you enjoyed this and you're looking forward to more of that end-of-year content that we've been promising you, this is the best time to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss those future episodes. Uh, They're going to be worth your while. Trust us. Uh, But until next time, that's going to do it for me and Pablo here at Cooldown Time. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your games, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Peace out. Make me feel good.